Hey, man, I'm Derek Gordon, and it's that Midnight Hustle. Thanks for joining us again. I know I've been on a little bit of a hiatus. Shit's just been going a little crazy around here. I'll explain it another time. I don't feel like fucking getting into it right now. And also, I have a guest here, and that wouldn't be appropriate for me to start talking about my personal shit with somebody's waiting to fucking cut a promo. So, by the way, um, Aquafina is not a sponsor of the show, but you could be. So, if you know the vibes, hit me up, cut the check. We can work this shit out a little later. Anyhow, joining me today... Dear good friend of mine from uh, the days when I was uh, booking NWA Cyberspace, we, we met in that organization, and um, they say that when you're in the business, you're lucky if you walk away with five good friends. I definitely count this guy on one of the hands. I'm not sure which one, the left or the right. Definitely not the one that I jerk off with because I don't think of him that way. But anyway, I got my dude here. You guys know him. The journeyman, the greatest unsigned talent in professional wrestling, the Greek God, Papa Don. What's going on, my brother? What's up, Derek, in the Midnight <laughs> Hustle? Now, listen, I'm going to set this record straight, and I, we're going to be 100% honest tonight. Mm-hmm. We're not going to sugarcoat anything. We're not going to BS the listeners. And I want everyone to know out there, he does think of me that way. Because at the end of the day, there's two types of people in this world. There's Greeks and those who want to be Greek. And Derek wants to be Greek because he wants to be baptized Greek style. That's all I'm saying. It's funny that you bring that up because I was just thinking before we started recording how way back, like we're talking like 10, 15 years ago, 15 years ago, um, I used to bust your balls all the time. Because if you listen to this guy's voice, he sounds like a paisan. So I used to just fucking say he was Italian. He goes, dude, I'm not Italian. Like, you sure? He's like, of course, I'm fucking sure I'm Greek. I was like, mm, nah, you're Italian. <laughs> Yo, he would get fucking hot. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> you say you say I sound Italian. All the all the people who watch me wrestle say I look Puerto Rican. So <laughs> I can't win. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you think I am. I know what I am. And that's the greatest unsent, unsigned talent that there is in professional wrestling today. And whatever you guys think I am, Puerto Rican, Italian, Greek, doesn't matter. I'm going to step in the ring, do my thing, entertain the fans in the ring, on the mic, on my podcast, on the Midnight Hustle. Because guess what? Once you go Greek, you can't poop for a week. So you're good to go. Ooh, ooh. That that must be like like the second part of that. How do you separate the boys from the men in Greece since with a crowbar, right? Exactly. You, know, right. Why the, you know the Greek army model, never leave your partners behind. <laughs> you sound like the fucking dude from training day. Hey Holmes, do you ever have your shit pushed in? Hey Holmes, do you ever have your shit pushed in? Hey Vato, don't you know dude, I'm loco? It's funny because like it's like you said, I, and we discussed this briefly before we started recording. I mean, this isn't an interview. I'm not interviewing Greek God Papa Don, even though you're on fucking gimmick 24-7 around the clock. But I mean, we know each other. There's shit that we yes. can discuss, there's shit that we can argue about. There, there's there's similar things that, that we have in common in the ways that, that we view the industry, um, whether it's professional wrestling, whether it's, it's Hollywood. Um, so, I mean, right now, anybody who's listening or watching this, you're basically a fly on the wall on a conversation between two bros. And, um, you know, first thing that I wanted to bring up, because, I mean, it's something that it, it's got to go without saying. Um, Havoc, man. Ed Toscano. R.I.P. to the brother. And, uh, dude. You know, I, I did your podcast a couple of weeks ago, um, The New Force Order, which I had a fucking blast on. Shout out to you and your guys. Um, and, and we talked about doing some other stuff and doing this this podcast 
that we're doing right now. Um, so when you gave me a call, he's like, I'm thinking, I was like, oh, fuck, he's going to be like, start busting my balls. But my, my wife's father passed away and all this other shit was going on. So like my life was just in, in an upheaval at the time. Um, so I was like, fuck, Jimmy, Jimmy's going to start busting my balls that I didn't book him yet. And then I heard your voice. And I knew right off the bat something was fucking wrong. And, um, you know, you guys were managed by the sure thing, John Shane. And John had his struggles with uh, health issues a couple of years ago. And shout out that he kicked out on that. Um, I was not expecting to get that news. And um, for a couple of weeks prior to me getting that news, I had been working on putting a lot of content on the Midnight Hustle YouTube page. And a lot of that content featured you and Ed, a.k.a. Havoc, your, your tag team part of the solution. Um and one of the last videos I had put up before I got that was when I had told you guys in the relaunch of NWA Cyberspace or NWA Shockwave that you guys were going to be individual champions. And he was my heavyweight champion. And I watched that video two or three times because you can see the emotion there in him. And, and it felt like maybe he thought in his mind that he wasn't good enough. Maybe he thought in his mind that nobody would ever give him a chance uh, to be a single star. And here we were giving him that first opportunity. You see him stumbling and fumbling. You were already polished. You look great. And you had the fucking suit and tie on it. And he just looked like and, and, and dude, he felt like a kid who, who and again, NWA Cybers, that's just a fucking indie promotion um, now defunct. But just to see Ed as Ed, not as Havoc. And, and I watched that two or three times. I don't know why. And, and when you called me and, and gave me that terrible news, I, it just, my head just shot to that fucking promo. And um, dude, my, my heart's been broke. I've been thinking him about him a lot lately. Been thinking about you, seeing how you guys have been holding up because I know you guys have been tight. Um, tell me a little bit about your relationship with, with Havoc or, or let the people know out there who aren't familiar with the solution. Okay. Um, Ed Toscano is a man's man. He was a great guy outside the ring with a big heart. He was like a giant teddy bear. If you ever seen The Incredibles, he's the human personification of Mr. Incredible. Um, he used to drive a little red Jeep. So picture him with his big ass frame sitting in the little red Jeep, driving his Jeep, drinking his coffee. Um, Ed's a brother from another mother. Uh, we met at the doghouse. He was originally trained at uh, WXW by Alpha, the Wild Samoan, and um, uh, his school in Pennsylvania. And then after he graduated and became a pro wrestler, he went to the doghouse where he would polish his craft under the tutelage of homicide, my trainer. So um, we were both single stars at the time. We wrestled each other here, there, everywhere during the doghouse era. And at the time, there weren't no established tag teams. So they wanted to put Ed in a tag team with somebody. He had a black singlet. I had a black singlet. They said they look kind of look good together as a tag team. So they put us together. And when, lo and behold, the hit squad, Monster Mac and Danny Moth, at the time just known as Mafia, was wrestling for JAP and Jersey Championship Wrestling, JCW, for Ricky O. And um, they brought us in for Ricky O, and they gave, we had a tryout match with them. And Ricky loved us and brought us in, and, and we were his tag team with, you know, part of his tag team division. So that was the first place we worked together outside the doghouse. Initially, Ricky O wanted to call us the wise guys. We were like, yeah, no, we don't like the name too much. Um, he's like, all right, then come up with your own names. Because Ricky's very flexible like that. Cool dude. So um, we wanted to just be popped on in Havoc, like Christian and Edge. We didn't want a team name. We wanted our names to stand out. So when people saw us, they knew who we were. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case. So one day I heard the word final solution, right? And I said, oh, 
that sounds pretty cool. So I, we're driving the car, and I go to Ed and and, have, and uh, John Shane. I got the name for our tag team. We could be the final solution. They burst out laughing like we can't be called them. I'm like, why not? That's a dope name. They go, you idiot. That has a, that, that, that's the name associated with the Holocaust. I went, oh. I said, you're right. I didn't even think of that. And I said, well, then fuck it. How about just the solution? Because everybody else is the problem. And they're like, yeah, that's pretty cool. All right. So that's how the solution was born. And then Ed and I, from 2001 to about 2006, uh, were, I would say, on 99% of all the shows in the East Coast, whether it was Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, New York, Boston, um, just wrestling all over, winning championships all over in many promotions, having great matches with great tag teams, and uh, had a grand old time. Um, after 2006, unfortunately, we had to go our separate ways because all these other teams that are coming onto the scene were getting opportunities with Ring of Honor, uh, TNA uh, at the time, and we weren't getting our breaks. We went to TNA twice. Uh, we wrestled down at the Nashville Fairgrounds. First time we wrestled the Harris Brothers. Then we wrestled um, CM Punk and De Niro. Uh, and they were both on the explosion matches. They were like five, six-minute matches. Really nothing to write home about. Not that they were bad matches, but what the hell are you going to do in four minutes You know, of ring time? You know, in a tag match. So we got a lot of burn. Thanks to you. Thanks to Billy Firehawk with all the TNA talent. Uh, with uh, our feud with America's Most Wanted. With the Naturals. Jeff Jarrett liked us. Told us a story about Fire Island when he was young. He used to go to Fire Island when he was younger. Uh, at one of the shows. And as we're talking, then Billy Hall Firehawk pulled him away for something. And I went, oh, fuck. We're never going to get to talk to Jeff Jarrett again. Uh, about getting signed or whatever. So we never got our opportunity with TNA. So I go to Havoc. You know what, Ed? You know, we've been doing this, what, five years, six years. We've done everything we could as a tag team. We're not getting looked at it by the big the big places. WWE at the time didn't want tag teams or managers. So it was only Ring of Honor TNA. And for some reason, they were we were getting an opportunity with Ring of Honor here and there, doing a couple darks, but nothing really serious. So I said, why don't we just do singles? Why don't we try our, our, our shot at singles? And we did. And uh, he went his way as, as Havoc. Later on, hooking up with Monster Mac and JP, becoming the heavy hitters um, as, as a tag team as well. Uh, in cyberspace, becoming your world champion. Uh, me becoming the internet champion. Um, and, you know, wrestling singles everywhere else. And to tell you that Ed was not a good wrestler or a singles wrestler would be a god uh, It would be a lie. If you thought Ed was great as a tag wrestler, he was that much better as a singles wrestler, in my opinion. He is a throwback to Dick Murdoch, Don Morocco, Dusty Rhodes. You don't see him do anything flashy, but what he did looked real and effective. And his promos were second to none, um, only because they were very real. He didn't sit there and try to come up with catchphrases and try to be, not in the word marketable, but try to be an entertainer. He was an athlete that was entertaining. You know what I mean? There's a difference. So it, it sucks that he passed away, obviously, because not only is he a friend and, and someone I consider my brother, but he was a father. And that is going to be his greatest legacy, being a tremendous father to his 11-year-old daughter, being a loving husband to his wife. And the fact that he passed away on a Monday night, 
I was talking to him Monday morning. And then getting the call next Tuesday, the, the following day, Tuesday, from his brother that he passed away. To tell you that my, my heart sunk and it felt like I got stabbed in the stomach would be an understatement because that's something you don't expect. There's only been a, a couple other times I've gotten phone calls where people passed away. Um, probably, you know, maybe one or two other times regarding people in the business. Um, but this one is too close to home and it does suck. And my condolences to the Toscano family. And I know definitely John Sheen and I um, definitely are dealing and coping with this the best we possibly can. Um, shout out to everybody who showed Ed love on social media. Uh, he was all over the place. From what I understand, people were saying nothing but good things about him. And to those who showed up at the wake and the funeral, thank you. Um, a couple of the guys showed up, a couple of referees. Um, so, you know, it was what it was. It was something that makes you realize that, you know, life is short. You never do know. And uh, I'll tell you off here the, what happened. I'm not going to share his business. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, but uh, it's just something you wouldn't expect. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. nothing, no, no foul play, no, no drugs or anything like nonsense like that. Just something out of the blue came out of nowhere. Boom. It's natural causes. Na natural, but like, you're like, holy shit. Like when yeah, I tell you. Out of nowhere though. Yeah. So it sucks. I'm, I'm looking to, honestly, I'm looking to establish a, a GoFundMe for his daughter. I actually mm -hmm. got to call his, uh, his ex-wife and find, cause you got to link the GoFundMe to a bank account. I don't want anything linked to my bank account or anything that might get misconstrued as me taking money from away from the family. I don't want any anything like that getting looked at the wrong way, not only by people, but by Uncle Sam as well. You know what I'm saying? So um, once I get all the information, I'm going to try to set one up. I've never done it before, so I got to try to look at the YouTube videos and see how to do it properly. Or I think they have a tutorial on the website of the, the GoFundMe website. So I'm going to set one up. And raise some funds for his daughter, whether it's for a Sweet 16 or college or whatever the case may be. Just something, because I love that guy so much. So, Yeah, man, I'll definitely let, let me know. We'll put it out there. We'll get, we'll get people involved. Um, I don't want him to be, I don't want him to be forgotten. It's, it's mm. one of those things where, like, we hadn't heard from him for so long. He popped into social media, but, like, undercover was like, hey, man, what's up? Remember me? I was like, fuck, man, of course I remember you. And, and we chat back and forth, man. And, and. You know, Todd and I did a podcast where we were doing some uh, reminiscing about the cyberspace days. And when it came to the topic of, you know, you guys and John Shane, it's just like we just had to take a portion of that show and just show tremendous respect, but mostly mostly tremendous love. Because, I mean, you guys did so much and we clicked so well. Um, and especially in my position, because I, I came in in a little hostile territory and you guys were the first ones to really make me feel at home there and, and understood and, and, and knew what I was trying to bring to the table. Um, and like you said, at any time that Ed would cut a promo, he wasn't playing wrestler. He was a wrestler, but it was passionate. And, and, and he never did anything to pop the boys in the back, except for when we asked him to. <laughs> but um, but I, you, I forgot about that. I saw you know what I'm forgot. talking about. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, man. And, and it's just like you'd watch his promos and you would think he was going to war. You would think that he was going to fight for his life in, in that ring. And, and man, you just don't see that anymore because everything's too scripted. Every, everything's overproduced. Everything's just so fucking...
paint by numbers. And, um, you know, it, it, it is the last of a dying breed. I mean, you're still out there. There's still a handful of guys out there. We're going to talk about that a little later. But, um, yeah, man, like like you said, that, that one hit me in the heart. I had been watching a lot of the videos. Um, anything that we can do for the family, please let me know. And, um, man, we'll do everything we can to keep his memory out there and, and let everybody know. And maybe when his daughter grows up, she'll get to see his matches. I'm sure she didn't get to see him in the ring, but um, just see how much her dad was loved by his peers and respected. Oh, when I tell you, because his day job, he was a bait constable on the Long Island Sound. Well, for you guys out there, don't know what that means. He was a water, a, a water police officer, yeah, a water cop, if you will. So, so because a lot of people, especially wrestling fans, don't know what constable means. There's too many syllables. Mm-hmm. So, um, they knew all about us. Every day, Ed would go in and tell him a new story about <laughs> something on the road, and we and at the wait, they would all come up to us and like, they're like, we never met you, but we to John and myself, we're like, but we know all about you. And you would fit in with us and, and with Ed. And, you know, they, they, they were very kind and very generous with their words. And he was very loved, not only in the wrestling world, not only by his family and friends, but everywhere he went, his job. How many people could say they're loved by everyone in their job? You know what I'm saying? How many people could say that they're loved by everybody in their town, the people they grew up with, their family, uh, the, the, the people, the fans, the, the people that they, they, that they shared locker rooms with. So... All these people can't be wrong, man. So, you know, like I said, the guy had a heart of gold and, and a million-dollar mind when it came to being a person, a real person. If he didn't like you, he'd tell you. You know? Um, I remember one one story. I'm not going to name names who he was wrestling. He was in, they didn't want to take chops in the match. And Ed was the champ at the time in the doghouse, the Long Island Wrestling Federation. So he was the heavyweight champ. So he chopped the guy in the match, and the guy goes, hey, man, I thought I told you don't chop. Ed looked at him and goes, I'm the champ and chopped him again. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> bitch, you're in my world, you know? So that was it. But uh, again, it was uh, it's a very unfortunate circumstance. And to tell you that I don't think about him every day is an understatement. Um, we kept in touch via, uh, via messenger and texting and this, that, and the other. Uh, you know, him, John, and myself got together, I think, once or twice Unfortunately, you know, me and my 37 kids, Ed has his kid and John has his kids and life and all the, on everything that comes in between all the distractions like bills and, and, and work and stuff like that. It's kind of hard just to get together every week. So we, we kept tabs on each other. We always talk to each other and it just sucks that this had to go down. But Ed, I will always love you. And until I see you again and until I reach out for the hot tag, whether it's up in the pearly gates or in our next lifetime. I love you, my brother. Godspeed. Absolutely, man. Amen to that. Let's talk about you, my guy. So we said at the beginning of the show, the greatest unsigned talent in the business today. Now, you and I last worked, uh, fuck, was it 2007? Some years ago. I mean, we weren't even in the fucking teens yet. And then, then, I had hair. Another decade. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Barely. But, you know, b- b- before we start, digging deep into your journey and whatever obstacles you've had along the way. What are you doing right now? Pandemic's hitting, it's fucking up your bookings. A lot of these small indie places aren't, you know, nobody's running shows. They're afraid to do it. What have you been doing the last year and a half? I've had three matches. I mean, I've trained. I mean, I'm still going to the gym every day. 
and I'm keeping myself in shape. Um, so I can't complain about that. I'm dropping slowly and surely the, the five, 10 pounds I put on in the beginning of COVID. It, it's coming off. Um, as far as matches go, I've only had three matches. Um, two for Invictus Pro Wrestling, which were outdoor shows in New Jersey. Uh, I wrestled a guy named Dennis Morgan, good kid. Um, I think he's been in the business a few a few years, maybe two, three years. Was trained by uh, Bubba Dudley, uh, and Tommy Dreamer, and uh, good kid. Listens, has a very bright future if he keeps his head on straight. And uh, then I wrestled Ace Austin from TNA. Had a great match with him. Have a story for that one. I'll tell you in a second. Okay. And my third match I wrestled was in California for United Wrestling Network uh, when they were doing their pay-per-views with the NWA. Um, I wrestled Remy Marcel, who's a guy from Nevada. Great, great worker. Um, champion in FSW, Future Stars of Wrestling in, in Nevada. Had a great match with him. Uh, the guy's talented as all hell. Uh, made me look like a million dollars. Hopefully, he feels the same way that I made him look like a million dollars in return. And it was a nice, good, good, solid, solid match. Um, and that was it. I mean, other than that, I got like three or four bookings lined up for August, but there's been nothing open. Absolutely nothing open. And whatever has been open, like these outdoor shows, they only can draw 50 fans at most. They only, because at the time it was like 20, 30% capacity level. So they're not going to pay me my GGP rate. You know, for someone who's been in the business 21, going on 22 years, I'm not working for a hot dog and a handshake. I need at least three hot dogs and a handshake in order to get my fucking rate going. But, um, you know, it sucks because, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, the whole scenario with COVID, I have my own ideas and beliefs and everything that went down the way went down and the way things are unraveling now anyway, we went down the wrong rabbit hole today we did we did <laughs> but again it's not an interview which is you and i talking it's not it's just shooting the shit like i said i'm not gonna talk politics with you because we can go back and forth all day long throw statistics throw fucking supposed facts i don't want to do that fuck it let's no, talk about right. let's talk about entertainment yeah, I, I don't want people to tune out and say oh fuck that guy greek god papa don because of what he said Politically, fuck that. We don't need that. Look, I want them to say fuck him because of the worker he is. So <laughs> they can't because they know when they come see me at a show, they'll leave remembering me, and that's a guaranteed fact. Whether so, it's be because I, I I incorporated them into the show, made them part of the show, mm -hmm. and made a moment with each and every fan at that show that they wanted to crucify me, stone me, cut my head off, put it on a spike like a Stormtrooper helmet on a Mandalorian show, whatever the case may be, I get the fans in such a frenzy. They loathe me, hate me, detest me. But at the end of the day, they remember me. So, Which is the big key. And that's what I want to bring up, something you've been doing lately, and I want to say in the last two weeks or so. Um, citizens of Leg Slap City. <laughs> <laughs> so I like what you're doing. I'm gonna have I'm gonna critique it though. I like what you're doing. I just don't think you should be doing it. You personally, for certain reasons. I want you to sell me on why you're doing it and what convinced you. Hey, you know what? This is a good idea. Let me go out there and start educating these people out there about obviously the leg slaps. I know it was a big controversial topic. I know that you know Vince McMahon is just saying, oh, I don't want to see that shit on TV. And Jim Ross made some comments about it. So you I figured, you know, that's a good thing for you to jump in on and say, Hey, listen, I'm in the business. I know how to fucking work without slapping my leg. I know how to make this look real. 
And now you're going out there and you're doing the social work of telling these people how to do it the right fucking way because they're learning the wrong ways. They're learning how to entertain. They're learning how to slap the leg. They're learning about the pyros, the lights, the ring music, the posing, but they don't know how to fucking work in the ring. Everything's overproduced. Now, I'm going to tell you why I don't think you should be doing it, but I want you to tell me why you decided to go ahead and do it. Okay, so who talks first? You talk first or I talk first? You talk first. You go. Okay. That was a little Star Wars reference for you, but you didn't pick up on it. <laughs> so this is why I did it. A uh, long time ago, not in a galaxy far, far away, hmm. but in this realm that we call Earth, uh, in our timeline, um, there was an individual by the name of Jim Cornette. And Jim Cornette, on a video one time, says, hey, if you're in this business and you're able to help out someone in this business, whether it's a veteran or someone who's, you know, a greenhorn or someone who's not as seasoned as you are and you don't, but you have the opportunity to do so, then you're a piece of shit and you're just as guilty as those who are messing this business up because you're not taking it upon yourself to give back. And those words stood with me very truthfully and wholeheartedly. So I said to myself, I will do this only to educate those who want to learn. Now, everything that I put down in these posts, I will start doing videos soon on YouTube mm -hmm. because obviously people don't like to read, but whatever. The reason I started doing it is because I've been wrestling almost 22 years. In July, I'll be 22 years. I was trained by Homicide. I was trained by Mikey Whipwreck. Now, Everywhere I go, every federation, I've won championship belts across this country in many, many companies. Current champion in three different federations. Not a champion, but the champion, the heavyweight champion, right? Wrestled everyone and their mother who's a name in this business. So with all that being said, I'm not on TV. For some rhyme, reason, maybe I pissed somebody off. Maybe I said hello to somebody while they were eating during catering and they fucking blackballed me, whatever. Maybe it's not my time yet. I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. I wish I did. But every that's why I've been dying to ask you is who did you piss off? What the fuck I, is going on? I don't know, bro. I don't know. All I know is that every time I go and get an got or try to get an opportunity, whether I work as an extra for WWE. I work Ring of Honor matches. I work TNA, um, Evolve, whatever. All these quote-unquote A-plus federations that everyone's clamoring to, I get touted for my ability on the mic. The fact I speak two languages, both English and Greek. The fact I can wrestle anybody. I've wrestled luchadors who can't speak English and still had tremendous matches. Call it in the ring. Not, not even. Yeah. I understand. I could, I could be a little bit fluent in Spanish, mm -hmm. right? Wrestled Japanese stars. Tremendous matches. I've had people who are on TV telling me, Pops, you should be here with us. And I'm not naming names, but they tell me, I don't know why you're not. And I wish I could do something, but I can't. And I understand why. It's a dog-eat-dog -dog world. That's the way the system is. They're looking out for themselves. I understand. So I don't know. But at the same time, I see all these kids on TV who look shredded because they only weigh 110 pounds. So they're all skin and bones. 
and they go on TV with sneakers and they go on TV and they don't lock up properly or they do a shitty lockup and they do a couple of flips. They no sell kicks to the face and punches to the face or forearms to the face, but they sell chops or they do flippity floppity floopity floopity blah, blah, blah. And they don't sell anything and they slap their legs on every fucking punch, move, chop, whatever. And it just looks fake. But they're getting an opportunity, whether they're someone's friend, whether they're the flavor of the week, whatever the case may be. I don't know. So I'm going to take it upon myself to push my flavor of ice cream or my flavor of wrestling because ice wrestling's like ice cream. You have vanilla, you have strawberry, you have chocolate. My flavor is believability or realism, whatever you want to label it. Because you know when you see me in the ring, whatever I do looks 100% legit to the point where I tell people that people tell me, hey, Pops, that looks like a shoot. Is everything okay? Everything's fine, dude. Why? It's supposed to look like that. I'm, if I'm fooling the boys or the promoters, then I'm doing my job because then the people are going to buy it. Right. You know what I'm saying? So whatever the case may be, not I am not look, I have a very good life. I'm not gonna lie. I have a family, I have a good job. My dream, headline WrestleMania. Whose dream isn't it? To my dream to become NWA champion, New Japan champion, to go in the Tokyo Dome, whatever the case may be. Will it happen? God willing. If it doesn't happen, would I be upset and grizzled and say F the business? No. But at the same time, while I'm here, I can try to make the business better. So I'll drop my knowledge that was passed to me through many different avenues of individuals, right? Through my trainers or whatever other veteran pulled me aside and said, hey, kid, ABC, hey, kid, XYZ, hey, kid, that was good, but do this. Hey, kid, why'd you do this? Well, because this guy told me, okay, all right, well, if I was you, I would do this instead. Okay, thank you, sir. And yada, 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 yada. So I'm trying to pay it forward. That's why I do it. But let's face facts. Mm -hmm. You see these people on TV? Like I said, leg slap, citizens of Leg Slap City. That's what they are. And they don't make any sense because if I'm going to hit you with a flying knee, why would I be slapping my leg if I'm wearing a knee, a, knee, uh, a knee pad? There's cushion around my knee. You're not supposed to hear a sound. So they're doing it to get a reaction from the fans. Mm -hmm. And the reason why they want to get a reaction from the fans is because if they get a reaction from the fans, they think they're over. But in actuality, they're not really over because after the fan whose attention span, thanks to technology and having a smartphone or an Android in their hands, their attention span is very minuscule. And that means small amount of time, people, right? To the point where they've seen something two or three times. Eh, I've seen it already. Next, like they say in the barbershop. So what happens? The guy who thinks was really getting over by hearing the fans because he was slapping his leg or doing a, the, the latest flippity doodah move or dropping his opponent unsafely on his head to get a this is awesome chant. By the third or fourth time he does it, the sound of the crowd depletes. So now that first wrestler, said wrestler, wasn't over. His job getting his opponent over never works, so the opponent isn't over. The storyline of the match never got over, and now the move is so watered down that the move is over. So at the end of the day, Nobody's over. Nothing's advanced. So they're just pissing in the wind, right? So it doesn't work. So why are people like Goldust, Honky Tonk Man, 
Hulk Hogan, Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair, Rick Rude, Sting, the Horsemen. Why are these people so over? And they're still talked about today. I'll tell you why. Because believability, realism. They captured your attention. They gave you something that you were able to emotionally vest yourself into and attach yourself into. And then they were able to be the puppet master of said emotion. So here's the thing. I agree with you 100%. As a matter of fact, a day or two ago, I had a conversation with my son. He's not a big wrestling fan. As a kid, he's like, oh, Rey Mysterio. I like the mess. I like the flippity do that shit. I love Seth Rollins, blah, blah, blah. He never got invested in the product. He never got invested in the product because there was nothing to invest in. Now, I told him, he said, hey, dad, you know, if, if things were still going, would you still be with WW or would you still be doing the thing with pseudo? I said, if I had a reason, yes, I would still be involved. Unfortunately, I don't have a reason to be here because it's not the same business that I fell in love with. I fell in love with something that looked like a sport that as a kid, I was like, holy shit, these guys are not only larger than life, but is that real? They look like grown men, not children in the fucking ring, beating the shit out of each other. I can see brothers and sisters doing outside all day long. There's no storylines for me to invest in. Nothing that drags out for a year's time. There's no enhancement matches for me to say, holy shit, this guy is in the ring with that tub of shit right now. This guy's not even, he shouldn't even be in the ring. That finish looks so devastating. What's going to happen when he does it to somebody who matters? Exactly. There's no dream matches. There's, there's no excitement. There's nothing there. Like we mentioned before, it's overproduced. It's all about the lights. It's all about the, the entrances, the music, selling T-shirts, the, the, the catchphrases, all that other bullshit that has nothing to do with the actual storytelling in the ring to build that feud, to build that anticipation, to, to pull those emotional heartstrings. And that's why I can't fucking watch it. It's, it's, to me, it's the equivalent of Disney on ice. It's like, hey, we've got this star and that star and Roman Reigns and this with all your favorite stars out here on ice and they're going to do their favorite moves and their favorite catchphrases and their five fucking spots and that's it. You'll go home happy and that's not what I want to fucking see. I want to see a story so that I go on that immediately when the show is over to go downstairs to the garden buy another fucking ticket for the next month because I got to know what happened. You left me with a cliffhanger and they don't do it anymore. Now, the reason why I'm bringing this up though, getting back to the original point, you're going out there and you're giving this advice. I know you. I know that you are a diehard wrestling fan. I know that you bleed. Brother, you're like me. I go to bed at night booking in my head, knowing that I'll probably never do it again. But I go in like, God, I got this great fucking idea. Here's what I would do. Here's who I would book. Here's how I would, you know, repurpose the shows. Maybe it's happening right now because I'm, I'm watching a lot of the old tapes that I never watched before in my entire life. But I'm watching what you're doing. And I know where it comes from. I know in that big, bald fucking head of yours, you've got knowledge you want to share and you're doing a public service. But there's a lot of people out there, more than you know, that probably don't see it that way. I'm going to give you an example. You go on Twitter. I don't even know if he's doing it on Instagram right now or Facebook. Our buddy Devin Storm. Crowbar. Oh, yeah. He's trying to reinvent himself. Oh, he's done. His promos are great. They are. They're great. I think they're fantastic. Timeless. But do you know what most people are saying right now? He's begging for attention. Look at me. I want one more run. Look at me. I can still do TV. Look at me. I used to be good. I can still be good now. I can do it again. And a lot of people, I'm afraid that they're going to look at you the same way saying, fuck, I haven't made it on TV yet. Look at me. I'm cutting promos. Look at me. I'm smart about the business. Look at me. I need attention. Who wants to book me? And I don't want that for you because they're going to say that you're fucking marking out for yourself. Listen, you know, I, I, see, I see that point of view. I see that okay. point of view. Okay. But look at it like this. And again, Half empty, half full scenario. Mm -hmm. 
right? I see. I when I before I even started doing doing any of these, right? Because I've been doing it for a while now. Yeah. I said to myself exactly what you said because I, I look at things from many different angles. Okay, not just one point of view. Mm-hmm. So I said to myself, you know what? If people say that about me, then I have two one two things I can say. One, I don't give a fuck because these same people who are complaining are the same people that are ruining the business. And I'm not doing it for them. I'm doing it for the one person that might make a difference. And two, if I wasn't doing it, they wouldn't be talking about me. So now I'm in their mouths. Now I'm in their brain. So now, whether they love me, whether they hate me, they're talking about me. And I'm a topic of a conversation as opposed to being out of sight, out of mind, especially with COVID. So same thing with Crowbar. Look, a lot of people, if they're talking shit about Chris, or Devin Storm or a crowbar, they need to know the guy can still go. The guy, he can still, there's a reason why he, no, you know this. I know this, you know, him and I were friends, but him and I never had a singles match. We're dying to dance, dying. Him, look, there's certain guys in this business that are timeless. And and I said this, I I came up with this idea at a, an extreme, um, not reunion, whatever the fuck it was called, extreme rising show. Okay. He says that Jim Cornette was calling him Timeless Devin Storm. I said, well, you know what? Fuck it. Let's make a crew. And we could run with this somewhere called mm-hmm. Timeless. It could be you, Stevie Richards, myself, and Homicide. Because the four of us don't age. And at my age, I've, I look, I'm not scared to tell my age. I'm 43 years old. Mm-hmm. This July, I'll be 44. I run circles around these fucking kids in the ring. I don't blow up. I can wrestle for an hour, 90 minutes, no problem. I've done it plenty of times in training, plenty of times where me and Mike Mondo or me and some other guy in the ring are just rolling around for 45 minutes to an hour, open ring, no problem. And people are like, are you blown up? I'm like, no, I don't get blown up. I'm a fucking machine. And I'm not saying this to sound tough. I'm not saying this to fucking put myself over because I'll be honest with you, five minutes playing with my kids, I'm blown up, right? But in the ring, I don't get blown up. I don't know if it's passion. I don't know if it's heart. I don't know if it's just a God-giving ability uh, like a Ric Flair or like a Harley Race or whatever that can go and do these long matches, but I can do them, and I've done them before. So to these people that are saying, oh, he's just saying this because he never got a shot. You know what, dude? I never got my shot on a national level. Will I ever? Who knows? But this is what we're talking about. you got 22 years in the business coming this July. Yeah. You want to, you want to impress the office. You want the office to Fuck look at the you. office. The office, but the look, office is who's going to, go to offer you the contract. Yes and no. And if they, if they see you going out there and say, hey, since this is Lake Slap City. Now, granted, whoever you're in the ring with on the Indies, fuck them. They're, trying, they're climbing the same ladder you're climbing. The guys that are slapping their leg are on TV. So they're going to look at you and like, this fucking guy hasn't even been on TV 30 seconds. He's going to tell me what the fuck to do, not to slap well, my no. leg. Well, no. Here's the deal. If everyone's doing ABC and I'm doing XYZ, who's standing out? I am. Mm-hmm. If everyone's slapping their leg and I'm telling people not to slap their leg, if everyone's being SJW and safe space ready and fucking PC... And I'm not. Guess who's the number one heel? Your boy right here. Mm-hmm. Because I'm using Jedi mind tricks, reverse psychology, or just smart booking and doing the opposite of what everyone else is doing to make a name for myself. Now, I'm not just doing it because I'm looking for the attention. The main reason why I'm doing it is because I'm tired of seeing all these kids out there doing what they're doing and doing it wrong. Okay? A buddy of mine, and I'm not throwing him under the bus. I'm not going to mention his name. He sent me a match today. He goes, hey, Pops, do me a favor. What do you think? So I watched the match. 
the match itself, the movements, the moves, they weren't bad. But I told him, look, this match is your typical indie match. It follows the same structure. Lock up, chain, shine, heat. My turn, your turn, my turn, your turn, my turn, your turn, finish. Mm-hmm. I said there was no reason for me to care about certain spots in the match. And this is what I mean. For every action, there should be a reaction. If I'm a heel and in the chain wrestling, I'm out wrestling the face, there's something wrong. So the face has to out wrestle me in the chain wrestling and in the shine to the point where I get so pissed off. I have to by no other by proxy have to take a fucking shortcut to cut him off, to go into the heat so I can get heat. If I do a fancy move to go into the heat, what does it mean? Absolutely nothing. It's a waste of a move. That's some big fancy movie that could have been used either as a false finish or the finish of the match and end off on a high note. Sometimes these kids do such a cutoff or a double down mm-hmm. or a false finish where it's this high and then the finish is flat. You know what I'm saying? They don't know how to build their matches. So I'm telling him, this is what you should have done. This is why you should have done it. Give it reason. You He kicks out of your fucking moves. You get pissed off. You can't believe it. You're upset. How the fuck is this kid getting out of your of shit? Show that emotion. That's Don't- exactly. And this is what I'm talking about. Where is the powder? Where's the chicken shit heel? Where's the guy uh, that says, I opened my mouth too fucking big. Now he's coming after me. Oh, fuck shit. Right me, here. Exactly. gather my thoughts. It's not happening. There's no exactly. fucking art form anymore. My concern, again, taking me back to the original point, is that the fucking assholes that are on TV right now are going to go to the office like, Look at this fucking guy talking shit, but he's not even here with us. Who the fuck is he to tell me what to do when I'm the one on TV? And I don't want you getting heat with the office. 22 fucking years, dude. You need 30. I don't give a fuck if it's a job match. I don't give a fuck if it's a streaming service. I don't give a fuck what it is. Dude, there are too many fucking promotions out there between the TNAs, the NWA Powers, the Ring of Honors that are on like some fucking channel right now, the Japan shows, MLW's doing fucking business with Viceland. I mean, why the fuck? Fuck, do you not have a spot on tele? I don't give it. It's a smaller promotion. I don't give a shit. doesn't have to be the big leagues, all right? But TV time, the value, the fucking effort, the blood, sweat, and tears that you put in, I don't want to see you putting your fucking boot in your mouth. Look, I understand where you're coming from, and I appreciate it. I honestly do that you care because guess what? It means a lot to me. Not not, Not from a professional sense, but from a friendship point of view. All these promoters from all these federations, they all say the same thing. Oh, I'm tired of leg slap city. I'm tired of this guy who can't look like he can bust an egg, but he could do a flip being booked. I want realism. I want big crowds. I want my crowds rocking and rolling. And what happens? What happens? They book the flavor of the week because some of these promoters are marks. Some of these promoters are more fans than the fans in attendance. Some of these promoters don't know how to promote. They think by throwing a fucking flyer on social media, that's promoting. They don't know how to go out and advertise or market properly. And no one comes to the shows. So what happens then? They'll try to book somebody who does a flashy move, but looks like shit. You know, flippity dude, here I come on your 460, whatever the fuck it's called. And then boom, what happens? Nothing. And then that's the name of the game. He'll get the payday or she'll get the payday or he or she will get the top spot. And those who deserve it, because if it was really based uh, on talent, a lot of the guys excluding my stuff. Fuck that. If it was really based on talent, I'd be main eventing WrestleMania every year. And I, and I'm, and I have the, uh, the confidence to say that because I know what I can offer. Mm-hmm. Okay. I went to the, that show with Ace Austin. That I was telling you about for Invictus Pro Wrestling. 
It was outside. We were the main event. Here's the story. First of all, Ace Austin, phenomenal talent. Phenomenal talent. The guy looks like a million dollars. He can work. So it was very, it was very fun working with someone who knows what to do. You know what I'm saying? How to do it well. Okay. Especially on an indie level. Cause sometimes, you know, you don't get that opportunity. So I was supposed to go over. I come out. The crowd's dead. They've done seen like eight matches, seven matches, whatever. Everyone and their mother's doing everything under the kitchen sink. Now, my buddy from the Conspiracy Horseman, Big Sal Graziano from ECW, was at the mm -hmm. match because it was maybe hop, skip, and a jump away from where he lives. So he goes, do you mind if I come down and just hang out? I said, no, come down, bro. I would love to see you. Told the promoter. promoter was like, yeah, tell him to come down and hang out. He tells me, yo, dude, there's some kid out there with an Ace Austin sign. I went, light bulb. Thanks. Mm -hmm. So lo and behold, another deadly episode, GGP comes out. I get the crowd in a frenzy with the, what I do, how I enter the ring, my mannerisms, my look of disgust to the fans, telling them to be quiet, whatever I do, whatever antics I pull out of my sleeves or out of my hat, it always works because I know, trust me, you can You're ask my, you can ask my wife. I have the uncanny ability, God given ability to piss people off very easily. Okay. So I get them on the edge of their seats. They're alive. They're rocking. I see the kid with the sign. Now Ace is in the ring. I roll out of the ring from the back door. I go behind the kid and I grab the sign and I'm going to rip this fucking sign to kingdom come. I see the kid. I'm about to rip it. The kid's like, no, please don't rip it. I worked very hard. He signed it. Here's the dilemma. 15 years ago, 10 years ago, I would have ripped that shit in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. I looked at a kid, the kid with special needs. Mm. So I looked at him. I saw his soul in his eyes. I saw him and I felt so bad for him. Right? Papadon disappeared. Jimmy, the father, the husband was now holding the sign in front of this kid. And I'm like, fuck. I don't want to rip this sign because if I rip this sign, this poor kid's going to have a heart attack. I don't want to do this to this kid. Mm -hmm. So I see the innocence in his eyes. I see his soul. I'm hoping that Ace comes back and K-boshes me. But it happened so quickly. It didn't happen. So I didn't want to give him back the sign because I lose all credibility. Right. So what do I do? I can't rip the sign because I, I literally, I feel it in my heart. So what do I do? I put the sign on the floor. I drop it and I just step on it. Bah! And the kid's like, no! And then I, I walk away and the mother's cursing me out. So I tell the bitch to shut up. All right? I was like, you better shut your mouth, bitch, or else I will rip this sign. And I get back in the ring and then he starts beating. The crowd is booing me to kingdom come. Like, they're ready to lynch my ass. To the point where, again, I was going over. We switch the... I get the, the Iggy from the referee that we have to switch the finish and put the face over so the fans can go home happy. So we changed the finish in the ring. It's not the first time I've done it. I've done it plenty of times. I know. Well, <laughs> right? We've done it for you. I've done it for you. I've done it for Alpha. I've done it plenty of times. I've done it at the doghouse. I'm a professional. I can do it. No worries. So we change it. I put him over. Great match. At the end of the night, going back to the locker room, Sal comes back there. He goes, Big Sal goes to me, dude, you're a fucking sorcerer. I'm like, what the fuck do you mean? I'm a sorcerer. He goes, you're a male witch. 
He goes, because you just resurrected a fucking dead. You're like Jesus Christ and the crowd was Lazarus. You resurrected that fucking crowd and you brought him to life. I don't know how you did it. He goes, but you fucking did it and you kept them at the edge of their seats the entire time you were out there with that other guy and you sent them home happy and you had the loudest ovations, the loudest reaction and your match was match of the night. I went, Sal, I love you, my brother. Thank you very much for you being a seasoned veteran from ECW and WWE. That means the world to me. And you being, you know, someone who's been to the dance and telling me this means the world to me. So, you know, this is what I'm talking about. So what happens? If Victor has another show, I'm not booked for whatever reason. Okay, no problem. We're going to bring you in for the heavyweight tournament. He tells me in the summer, whatever. Great. Cool. But you would think the guy who got the loudest reaction, the guy who resurrected the fucking crowd, the guy who's probably making the most money in, as, as any indie wrestler on the fucking crowd, on the, on the, on the card, because he knows his value and has earned his keep should be on every fucking show is doing this. Mm-hmm. Whether he goes over or not doesn't necessarily matter. And I'm not just talking about myself. I'm talking about in general. But this is what I'm talking about. Promoters nowadays are not promoters. They, they, they preach to the stars that they want realism. They want that old school. They want a punch to look like a fucking punch. They want someone to punch somebody because at that moment, organically, it feels like they're going to punch someone in the match. They're not just punching someone to punch somebody. They're not just doing something to, to, to do something. They're not giving someone a kick in the head because it's a kick in the head or a suplex before a suplex. They're doing it because that's what you're supposed to do at that time if it was a real fight. And they all preach the same thing. They're all song and pony dance. We want realism. We're tired of all this nonsense and leg slap city stuff and all this other stuff. Yo, what happens? These are the guys who are getting booked on all the companies. So... It behooves me. You guys are everyone. All these promoters are preaching one thing. They want realism. They want this. They want that. And then they bring the talent on air, whatever company it is. And then are offering what they're preaching. Do you think the problem is because you're a pro wrestler and not a sports entertainer? No, because I can be both. I can be a luchador because I can wrestle luchador style. I've done it before. I can be. Uh, scientific world of sport wrestler. I can be strong style Japanese style wrestler, traditional American wrestler. You know, I can do the scientific stuff. I can mm. be a high flyer if needed. I can do all this shit. I thought, look, I'm a chameleon. I adapt to my surroundings and I make the most out of my surroundings. You want me to be a baby face? I'll come out and I'll be the best baby face I can be and get the crowd behind me. Like I did with you. You should, I, 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 I totally forgot about that promo I did with the tie in the suit. And then I'm listening to myself talk as a baby face. And I'm like, what a crock of shit, the fans. Fuck the fans. You know what I'm saying? Like, but that's what you got to do. You got to incorporate the fans, make them feel like they can vicariously live through you. Right? Not everybody can be a stone cold. Right? Not everyone can be a badass. Right? Not everybody can be the cool heel, which is an oxymoron. But you need your chicken shit heels. You need your badass heels. It's a variety show. You need different flavors of ice cream or else it gets stale. You know what I'm saying? You go to Baskin Robbins, you have 32 flavors of ice cream. If it was all vanilla, they'd be out of business. What what what, what gets me though is, and again, I, I barely watch pro wrestling now. I can't fucking sit through it. It it, it, it uh, the shit out of me. I only watch certain things here and there. I, I try. I'll, I'll I'll put it on for five minutes. I'm like I can't do this anymore. I, it's it's a fucking chore to do it. The problem that I'm having is that I'm seeing certain talents. I know you don't want to mention names. You're still in the business. You don't want to fucking burn. I'll burn them for you. So. I'll mention some names. I know that there's marketability in certain gimmicks. The New Day. Let's take them, for example. Throwing out fucking pancakes, trombones, all this other shit. 
very talented workers. They didn't have all those fucking gimmicks. I don't know. Maybe they're appealing to the fans. Maybe that's what the little kids want. You got to know your audience. But when you flip the channel, you go to AEW or All Elite Wrestling, whatever the fuck they call themselves. I'm seeing talent on there, too, where they're trying to discover new talent that, yeah, yeah, they've got a couple of veterans there. They've got a couple of guys that they've poached out out of the WWE, but they're trying to build their own guys like an Orange Cassidy, or they're trying to take some veterans like a guy like Eddie Kingston. I saw Eddie Kingston work 15 years ago. No disrespect to Eddie Kingston. I don't get it. He doesn't look like a wrestler. He's got a fucking mouth. He can talk his ass off. He'd be a phenomenal fucking bumping manager. But he looks like one of my drunk, unemployed cousins. I don't see why somebody would see Eddie Kingston and say, I need him on the show. I need to put him on TV. I need to pair him with Jericho. I need this guy to get that time. I see Arch Cassie. I get the whole thing. Hands in the pocket. I'm doing things in slow motion. You can only take that so far. A guy like you, on the other hand, who in baseball, they would call you like a five-tool player. You got it. Why the fuck are they picking these other guys? It's not like they need to teach you. You've been in the ring with some of the best. You've worked around the world. You've proven yourself. But why are these guys getting shots when they don't bring as much to the table as you do? I don't have an answer for that. And those two guys you've mentioned, I've wrestled. But I'll tell you what separates them from everybody else. Eddie Kingston is real. What you see is what you get in the street is what you get in the ring. So what do you see? You see a guy who talks to talk. And if you saw him in the street, he would fuck your ass up and beat the shit out of you the same way he will in a ring. Okay. That's why he gets signed because he's different in my opinion. Now you don't have to agree. Now I know Eddie, we've wrestled him. I've wrestled him when he was in Chikara as a tag team, the wild cards. And I wrestled him one-on-one. For Jose Maximo's, your boy, uh, Jose Maximo's federation. Did you right? wrestle him for my tag team belts? No, not for your tag okay. team belts, right? Pop, right? So uh, um, the Ludus, right? The Fighting Spirit Wrestling, which was Jose Max, uh, the Maximo's, uh, Joel Maximo's uh, federation. Mm-hmm. Him and I did not touch for like 12 minutes. We had the crowd in such a fucking frenzy before we even touched. And then him and I had a great match. You can find it on YouTube somewhere. The referee kind of blew the finish a little because referee was green. Not blew the finish, but the way he he sold for the finish and all and turned the it, it kind of looked hokey in my opinion. But that's just me. But overall, the match was an eight out of ten in my opinion. Right? Great match. Eddie can go. Eddie is real. Now, does he need to have washboard abs? No, I don't think so. He reminds me of Dick Murdoch, a Buzz Sawyer type wrestler, someone who doesn't need to be in bodybuilding shape. Does he need to get a little bit more toned up? That's debatable. Depends on what you're looking for. Now, Orange Cassidy, another guy I've wrestled. When he was starting the Orange Cassidy thing and before that, great guy, great wrestler. Tremendous ability. He offers something different. Now, the problem is people look at it and it comes off a little little too much gimmick, too much entertainment. And I can see their point of view. But here's what I see. I see somebody, when push comes to shove, can wrestle. Doesn't need to wrestle to get over. Gets over doing something no one else is doing. And because of that, he doesn't have to wrestle and take all the crazy bumps and all this that he would have to do for a guy his size. And he's making the best out of the situation, and he's getting over. Same thing with Joey Ryan at the time before all this shit happened. I've wrestled Joey Ryan, and Joey Ryan can go. Before the whole dick flipping and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. 
but he found something that got what millions of clicks made him a ton of money where he can buy a house in LA and got him flown around the world doing all these things. And all he had to do was go like this and make believe some guy take a monkey flip off his balls and he doesn't have to take a bump for it. And I don't have to put himself at risk. Fuck it. Milk it for everything you can. I mean, no different than Sako, no different than, mm-hmm. than certain other gimmicks that we've seen in the past. So he made it work, but here's the difference. And the same thing you can say about the young bucks. People say, Oh, super kick party, super kick. The I've wrestled each and every one of these guys. They know how to work. Each and every one of them know how to work. If the Young Bucks never throw another super kick again, they know how to work. And they know how to make the match work for them. Same thing with Orange Cassidy. Same thing with Eddie Kingston. Same thing with Joey Ryan. Same thing with whoever else that you may bring up. Or It doesn't matter. The point is that you get to a certain level in your career, you know how to work. And that is your plan B. You come up with something... I, I agree what you're saying. I'm not, I take nothing away from these guys in terms of their ability, their athleticism, what they bring to the table. Yes, they have something. They, they, I, I won't say they have the it factor. They have something, though, okay? They know how to work. They can get in the ring. They can go toe-to-toe with a guy like you. Problem is, my old-school mentality, I don't see that guy as a guy that I'm, I'm buying a ticket to see perform. I'm seeing him in the ring with somebody else who's two times his size. And I'm like, this guy's got no fucking shot. He's enhancement. I'm, I'm, I'm wired differently based on, on the generation that I was brought up in. I and agree. I understand that, that maybe what 2021 is bringing, or maybe the last 10 years of professional wrestling has changed the game so much and changed the landscape and, and, and just reprogrammed these children right now. With social media, you take TikTok, for example, they've got one minute videos. They're flipping. What's the next one? Okay, what's the next one? What's the next? And I feel like that's what's going on with the booking. What's the, what do we do next week? What do we do in the next match? What do we do in the next card? Oh, just 50, 50. I can't fucking deal with it. It's fucking ADD of professional wrestling. Yeah, that's why people, that's why, that's why I do these PSA or WSA wrestling saving announcements every day on social media, not on the weekends, business days. <laughs> uh, you know what I'm saying? Five times a week because of situations like this because people are really tired. Like you, a lot of the fans, I mean, I would say a majority of the people I talked to, oh, I used to watch wrestling when, Oh, back in the attitude era, the NWO days, uh, very rarely you find older guys who like all Jim Crockett promotions like myself. Mm-hmm. Right. But during the WCW days, you had a great storyline, probably the greatest storyline of all time. The NWO you had the workhorses in the mid card who couldn't be touched the regals the finleys the jerichos the malinkos the the guerreros the benoits the mysterios you had the, the, the cruiserweights they had every demographic covered and every demographic was different you had the cruiserweight action that looked different than the main event action main event action was all punch and kicks the cruiserweight action was all flippity floppity doodas. And in the mid card was all the athleticism, the mishmash, mm-hmm. the technical wrestling. So you got every flavor of ice cream or every piece of the puzzle in the smorgasbord of fucking buffet that you call wrestling in a matter of two hours or in a matter of a pay-per-view three hours. So that's why it was great, in my opinion. Look, I think Randy Orton, John Cena matches are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. They're all great. The problem is, if you've seen 50 Randy Orton John Cena matches, you really don't want to see a 51. 
because you've done seen them 50 times already. And the booking is 50-50 booking. And I agree with you. They need to have enhancement talents. And here's another uh, light bulb for all you fucking wrestlers out there. If you're going to hit false finishes, those falsies you use, win a few matches with them. So if one of your falsies is a fucking, I don't know, DDT, Mm-hmm. Win a match with a DDT So when you do hit it It actually seems like You might actually win the match Now you always get a two count On a DDT Because then after the third Or fourth time People seeing you do a DDT on a fo- As a false finish They know it's a falsy They won't pop But if you hit it Oh shit He won on a DDT Next time you hit a DDT Oh, oh he might win Oh no it's a fucking fo- Oh he got me You know what I mean Like people don't think like that They have to hit their false finish Or they, they have to hit their finishing maneuver why not use social media as a tool where, where you're actually, instead of cutting a promo as Greek God Papa Don talking about the citizens of Lake Slab City and actually showing clips of what you've accomplished, show your best spots, show you selling, teach them that way by visually seeing it. Because when they're reading it, they're like, eh, well, you know, this guy's cutting a promo. Well, if, you I- if you videotape yourself cutting a promo, again, I get that. Look at me. I'm the Greek God. Hey, check me out. Sign me. As opposed to me saying, show me in the ring. Show me, put somebody over. Show me how, to, how not to leg slide. Show me the best. Show me you in the ring with the fucking guys who are on TV right now saying, I've wrestled them all. Book me. Sign me. And I'll fucking do it again at 10 times the pace for half the fucking price. <laughs> I, don't know about, I don't know about half the price. <laughs> Listen, when you know what you're worth, you don't do shit for No, of course that. not. Um, that's a great idea. And I said I was going to put stuff onto YouTube, whether whether it's an instruction guide or whatever, or like mm-hmm. a tutorial or whatever, or me just in a ring, just talking and maybe showing something or somebody a hold or something, whatever. Uh, the thing is, I'm not very tech savvy, so I can't put the video together. I don't have an intro that I can clip to the video that I can clip to songs. I don't know any of that shit. So I would have to get a guy to do it. That's why our podcast is just audio because we have an audio engineer who does it, not a visual engineer. One of the hosts used to visually put it on YouTube. But again, Spiro, he's been so busy with his new job and his baby and this, that, and the other that he has no time. So we have no presence on YouTube as far as the new force order goes. It's more of a, a, a an audio podcast for now. And I'm fine with that because it's a passion of love. But as far as the wrestling goes, I'm more than down to do it. Look, I just recently said something to AEW. And everyone in AEW are my friends and I've wrestled with, against. They know who I am. The people in the offices know who I am. So uh, why don't anybody put you over? I don't know. That's don't that's know. that's the shit right there. So, all right, I'm going to ask you straight up. Have you asked for the favor? Like, yo, man, just dark match. Can you get me on the card? Let me just show them in person. I've asked them. I've never asked for... For a favor, I've I've sent them matches and promos and said, "Hey, um, here's a match, here's a promo. All I'm looking for is an opportunity to earn my spot. That's all I want." And they would tell me, "Well, in the beginning, you know, things are booked in advance with COVID, whatever. Uh, we don't have any crowds. Things already been booked up a couple months. People are flying themselves down. Yada yada yada." And I would tell them, "Look, I got miles." I've been flown all over this country for wrestling. I have tons of miles and I'll use it if I need to, to go do a dark just to get an opportunity to show mm-hmm. Tony Khan and the powers that be, but right. Hey, you know, you know, I'll eat the first one. That's not a problem. Sure. Nothing. I have people going to back who are agents for me. I have people on the roster who've said if they, they could, they will help me out if I need them to. I don't want them to put their necks out for me. Maybe it's an ego thing. Maybe it's just something I want to earn on my own, whatever the case may be. But 
those who are in power that I've reached out to and gave them what I need to give them professionally have seen it. They've seen, I've teamed with them. I've wrestled them. They know who I am. Or I've shared locker rooms with them. So whether or not they want to go to bat with me, I don't know. I just don't know. Maybe yeah. I'm too truthful. Maybe I'm too honest. And I'm not one of these brother, brother, brother guys. And, and that, that could be it too. I mean, I, I've noticed well, when cyberspace was dying, I, I know that, that the whole thing got ran to the ground because of the politics going on backstage. Because there was the brothers this, and we're going we're gonna, to you know, dip into Daisy's pocket for the money. We're going to do this, that, the other thing. But they never gave a fuck about the product. They were thinking about how they're going to benefit from sucking the whole fucking promotion dry. Maybe because you're not that guy. Maybe because you're not a fucking crook because you're honest. Maybe because you've got too much talent and you want to work on your own fucking laurels and, and, and you got too much pride to ask for something saying, hey, listen, I'm out here. You've seen what I can fucking do. Acknowledge it. Give me a fucking nod. I don't want to have to go tap you on the shoulder like, hey, remember me. But at the same time, the clock's fucking ticking. No, it's not. You don't think so? No, I just told you, bro. I'm 40. I'm going to be 44 and I can still out wrestle people. I no, still fuck it. But look, and I don't look 44, bro. I'm not don't. old. No, I look like I did fucking. Look, you see this? Mm-hmm. I have no hair. Why don't I not have hair? Not because I'm balding or I have a receding hairline. I have a full head of hair. The same that same hair I had when I was in cyberspace, I have now. I choose to shave my head for convenience factor and because I'm cheap. I'm very meticulous. You remember every show I had a nice dope fade. <laughs> $20 I'd have to pay every week to go get a fade. Well, I got fucking 37 kids I got to feed. Yeah. Bills, a mortgage, everything. So guess what? I'll just shave my head. I don't have to pay by a barber. I don't have to freaking tip them $5 for a tip. That money it saved, guess what? That's going to buy me a carton of milk and a, and a carton of eggs for the kids this week. Or it's going to pay for something regarding, you know, backpack or school food needs or whatever the case, or new shoes or whatever the case may be, or pay, pay, pay a portion of a bill. So, you know, that's me just being who I am. So do you think you think you're more passive, though? You think maybe you're not aggressive enough to go over there and say, you know what? Like you said, you've got the miles. Show up to the fucking arena. Like, I've got my gear in the back. You know what, dude? I could. But then I then that's the wrong thing to do because those days are over. Now everything, like you said, is over micromanaged that if you just show up, they'll toss you to leave. You know what I'm saying? It's not like one of the days where you go and be like, hey, man, I got my gear. Do you need me to help you set up? If anything opens up, do you mind tossing in my way? That Those days are over. They, they don't do it anymore. No, a lot of people don't do it no more. Unless you go to an indie show and you're sitting there because you're a friend of a friend. They're like, hey. Of course, different story. I, yeah. So... You know, you can't just show up at a WWE event or an AEW event or a TNA event or an Impact event and just say, hey, I got my gear. If you need anything, I'm here. They'd be like, who the fuck is this guy? He just shows up. No, nah, it doesn't work that way because of all the, the protocols and everything that you have to follow. Like you said, it's sports entertainment now. Well, of course. So, but, but even if you were just there visiting friends and you just happen to have your gear, like, yeah, you know, I had a show. It got canceled. I came over here to say hi to a couple of guys. Hey, what's up? Did you bring your gear? Of course I got my fucking gear. I mean, Look, who knows? Is it worth a shot in the dark? Yeah, I've done it in the past where I would show up to a house show or whatever to go say hi to somebody or a friend. Or I'd go drive to Philadelphia to go hang out, party with them all night long. And nothing happened. Did I force it to happen? Like, did I make myself persistent to where I was a nudge? No, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be the guy who... Look, I want to be... Look, again, maybe it's artistic integrity, like you Mm -hmm. said. I take this very serious. Anything I do, whether it's podcasting, whether it's wrestling, whether it's my comic book drawing, whether whether it's my family, anything, whether it's going to the gym, I take everything very seriously. I always dedicate myself wholeheartedly 100% of the way. So when it comes to professional wrestling, if I can't be 
the best that I can be and I'm only giving it 10% and I'm trying to throw shit against the wall and just give 10%, I won't do it. So when, with that being said, I can't just show up at a show and say, hey, I got my gear, you know, whatever, whatever. Uh, how about you toss me a bone? Please, 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 please. I got some cheeseburgers. No, it doesn't work that way. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want people to say, hey, we're looking for something different. Here's a guy who speaks Greek. Guess what? The Greeks are the inventors of professional wrestling and wrestling in general. Now, people might say, well, pro wrestling started in the carnivals. Well, let's look at, let's look at, let's look at reality here. Mm-hmm. Wrestling is a hybrid of entertainment, drama, and wrestling. The Greeks invented wrestling. They invented drama. That's why it's called the Greek drama, folks. Mm-hmm. And guess what? When they marry together and there is a hybrid, you get pro wrestling. So the ingredients that are made up of pro wrestling were both invented by Greeks. Greeks but do invent- you think Tony Khan or Bruce Pritchard or Vince McMahon is going to look at you and be like, oh, shit, I got a great idea. He's Greek. I don't well, no, no. not going that deep. Well, th- maybe not. But if I'm in front of them, I have no problem talking to them. I brought it up to Triple H before in the past. Okay. And he shunned me off. And he's like, hey, talk to, talk to Mark Carano in, in, in oh. talent. Talent relations. Might as well talk about that. Well, he's not there anymore because he's an idiot. Yeah. But you know, when I spoke to him, they fucking shut me off. I had Johnny Laurinaitis shut me off. I wrestled. It was myself and another guy uh, from Jersey, um, Rob Vegas. We wrestled the Briscoe brothers in the Briscoe brothers uh, tryout match. And I woke up to John Laurinaitis and I go to him, "Hey, after the show, I said, Mr. Laurinaitis, can I have two minutes of your time? Hey, kid, what's up? I said, did you see the match that I had with the Briscoes? Um, any advice? Do me a favor, kid. Call me tomorrow. We'll talk. Okay, great. I call him tomorrow at the office in the Connecticut. His assistants, he didn't watch the match. So I go, what? He just blew me off? Yeah. All right. Thank you for your time. Click. But that's what you got to deal with. I've heard a million no's. I just need one yes. And I know my, ability, my, my confidence, my ability will speak for itself. I do things that no one else does. I don't need to do flippity-doo-dahs. I can do one move and get just as big as a reaction. It could be a fucking suplex. Mm-hmm. It could be a fucking stare at a crowd, but I'll make it milk it for everything that's worth and make it work to, to get my opponent over and get the storyline over. I've done it before in the past. So, so, so turn it down a notch, forget WWE or, or fuck it. I don't and even whatever. Think sure. All right. Let's talk about an MLW or an ROH. Why not there? I, Why you got to know court power. You got to know these other guys. Listen, I know I've met court once. Okay. I spoke I spoke to him once on the phone years ago when he first started MLW mm-hmm. and I was trying to get Havoc and I booked. And we, he was he was he was on board about bringing us in and then he folded. This is when he was on the Sunshine Sun Network back in the day. Mm-hmm. He started MLW again. His booker uh Saint uh MSL, one of the guys that he that he does the podcast with, said I was on the list of talent that he wanted to bring in. Okay, great. When something opens up, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll let you know. Great. Just let me know, man. I'm ready to go. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to go. Mm-hmm. Nothing. 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 I have people outside telling me that they've dropped my name to this guy, Court Bauer. They dropped my name to, to um, Delirious. Delirious knows who I am. I've done dark matches. He loved my dark matches. He says, I, you know, great stuff. I've done promos. You know, when the ROH tryouts years ago and Kevin Kelly's like, as soon as I step out of the promo, when he tells everybody, you guys have to fucking work your ass off. This kid just kill, kill, cut a killer promo. I don't think anyone's going to top it tonight. Nothing. Even when Pierce was the booker 
hey, I need this fucking match for the opening match. And it was me versus Bobby Fish. We mm-hmm. tore it down. We came in the back. I was told, that's the fucking opening match. I'm always looking for my card. Give me a call next week. We're going to do business. Call next week. Sorry, kid. I got nothing for you. What the fuck just happened? Story of my career. Go to WWE plenty of times. Mm-hmm. Get touted by Jamie Noble. Get touted by all the scouts. Fuck. I wrestled Goldust. Goldust fucking touts me when he was the WWE agent. Or, you know, with all the fucking free, with all the uh, extras. Nothing. Touted to the right people. I had William Regal go to bat for me. When I was 38 years old, telling me he's going to send me to the performance center. I've never been to the performance center for a tryout. Never. Always been overlooked. Where's the fucking heat? I don't know, bro. I don't know. I don't like to complain about it. I just don't know. I'm just bringing up stuff. And dude, God bless you, because I would have fucking blown the fuck up. All right. And the thing is, you're what I admire about you so much is that, yeah, you've got your dream. You know where you want to be. You know where you deserve to be but you're content where you're at because you're still doing what you fucking love. And I've been there too. I've been to that point saying, listen, as long as I wake up every day and I'm doing exactly what I love, doesn't matter where I'm doing it, how much I'm getting paid to do it. I just love that I'm fucking doing it. But at some point, you got to look over your shoulder and see what everybody else is doing. Like these motherfuckers. What what, what do I have to do next? Yeah, trust me. I've been there. It's fucking, dude, it's, you know, and, and, the reason why I walked away from pro wrestling is because somebody told me as a matter of fact, no, I, I would come in and come out and they were like, Oh, do the diehard character. I'm like, all right, I'll do the die. Yeah. Yeah. Can you dig it? Oh, that was may have to be dropped. All this other shit. So Russo is like, Hey man, I would love for you to do some stuff on my website. As I start doing it, he's a big Howard Stern mark. I know Russo. Russo and I go, him and I are very good friends, but anyway, yeah, dude, I, I've known Russo fucking over 20 years, but I felt like, all right, listen, you know, you don't want to bring the team. I'm, I'm, I can write, Got an idea for the business. Like, you know, I, I've done things. I want to bring that to you. I felt like I was being treated like a member of the of, of the Whack Pack on the Howard Stern show. He had all the before he had the brand, what he's doing right now. Yeah. He had a bunch of just fans just coming in and doing it. And I was like, dude, I'm not a fucking fan. That's not me. So I walked away and I, he was like, Well, why'd you leave? And I just told him, I was like, dude, I can't fucking give love to something that's not gonna love me right back. And I don't feel I, I know you're out there, you're busting your ass, but I'm not. I don't see the fucking wrestling business showing you the fucking love, man. Well, there's twofold. Let me let me explain something to you. I mean, great. You are a champion everywhere you go. Yeah, but here's the deal. Let me just say this: one, the day I signed up for wrestling school and Homicide took me under his wing, I signed an oath never to break kayfabe, old school style. <laughs> right. I was the last last of the dying breed to get a, a license in New York State when you actually need to be a licensed professional wrestler, right? Mm-hmm. All that being said, last of a dying breed, again, but here's the deal. I knew when I took my first bump, this business owes me nothing. There's no guarantees. I can love this business till I'm six feet under in the ground, give it my all for the rest of my life, doesn't have to love me back. That I knew signing up, that I know now, that's that I will know to the day I die. And guess what? That is a relationship that I entered with the stakes being known up front. Mm-hmm. There's no guarantees. Number two, you walk away from the table, you'll never get the winning hand. Mm-hmm. The winning hand, maybe not, maybe in the next, the first 22 years of my career didn't come to me, but it may come to me in my 23rd year. It may come to me in my 24th year. It may pay. Tenfold in dividends. Who knows? But if I gave up, 
my 22nd year or my 18th year, whatever the case may be, I would never get the winning hand. So I will never give up until I get the winning hand. Dude, and, and don't get me wrong. I'm not telling you to fucking give up. Oh, I, I, know, I know that. I know that. I know that. I'm just thinking the approach you've had for 22 years, maybe the approach is wrong. Maybe, maybe you got to be more aggressive. Maybe you got to go tap into these fucking. I mean, dude, you've done so much for so many. And just to see, sit on the fucking sidelines and watch these fucking guys succeed, watch these guys take a spot that, dude, like I said, 30 seconds of fucking TV time. That's all you fucking need. You just need people to click the channel one time, like, oh, who's this guy? What's he doing? Oh, that's different. Oh, he can talk. He can work. He doesn't do the same shit that the other guys are doing. I'm just like, what the fuck do we have look, to do to put you in look, these motherfuckers' I, faces? Look, that's the million-dollar question. Look, the NWA, maybe that may happen. Who knows? Nick Aldis and I are very good friends. I stayed at his house for three weeks when I wrestled in England. No shit. I met him at, I met, I met him at the Holly Race Camp in 07. Okay. Him and I hit it off very well, right? Um, him, myself, uh, Steve Anthony, another great wrestler. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were the only ones that were chosen by Harley Race to wrestle for Harley Race, you know, in 07 on his shows, okay? Uh, so, I don't know. It is what it is. Ring of Honor, I've had opportunities. I've impressed them. Nothing went through. But for every one story I tell you, I can tell you there's other people out there with the same exact stories. Now, whether or not it panned out for them later on, you know what? It may, or they may have walked away, just grizzled, jaded, and upset. I know going into this business, it doesn't owe me anything. So I can't really get upset. Does it bother me? Yeah. Is it is, is it frustrating? Yeah. But do I dwell on it? No. Because if I did that, then I become this fucking sourpuss hermit that lives on fucking Octu and don't want to be part of the fucking rebellion, as opposed to being the fucking man who's going to end up fucking blowing up the Death Star, who's full of piss vinegar and optimism. And you know what? I'd rather be the guy who's blowing up the Death Star than the old curmudgeon on Octu who's jerking off porgs. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. so that that's my take on it. Look, do, can I call people up and say, hey, asshole, what's going on? Can I please get a shot? Yeah. Can I reach out to a couple of my buddies that are on TV and say, hey, man, can you do me a favor? Can you give me an opportunity? Yeah. Do I? No, because I know 99 other fucking guys out there have already reached out to them. And what separates me from them is the fact that I'm trying to do this on my own. And hopefully it will happen. And hopefully I will get an opportunity. And when I do get the opportunity, it leads to something great because I know I can offer something different and something great. If everybody, like I said, if everyone's doing one, two, three, I'm coming in with the CeeLo four, five, six, and I'll shine. If everyone's doing four, five, six, then I'm coming in with the, with, with, with the triple ones or the triple six, and I'm still fucking shining. Whatever the case may be, I'm talking CeeLo New York preference for those people who don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, I know exactly what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying, Derek? I, I, look, no. I don't know. You, It is I what it is. I'm tapping into you because, dude, I talk to a lot of indie guys, and these indie guys, they're they're, they're stuck in their own mind. They're like, oh, I'm doing it. I'm getting there. Like, are you? Or are you doing everything that you possibly can? And trust me, I know you're fucking doing what you can. I know what you've accomplished. I, Dude, the scoreboard don't fucking lie, all right? When when you're sitting there with, with belts going up and down each arm, when you're in every fucking promotion saying, I'm still the heavyweight champion here. I've worked this guy. I've worked that guy. I'm trying to find that fucking missing piece of the puzzle because, bro, believe me, 15 years ago in NWA cyberspace, my main concern and the only reason why I told Billy we got to keep bringing these TNA guys was to keep you guys in the ring with them 
so that the home we wanted to be the fucking pharmacist from TNA. We wanted the solution to get picked up. We wanted the Josh Daniels to get picked up. We wanted the Slick Wagner Browns to get picked up. We wanted we that's why we put them in the ring with you. That's why we put you over on America's Most Wanted two fucking times. I mean, I wasn't there for the first one, but the second one was like, we're doing it again because the last time only 20 people saw it, 300 people going to see it tonight and 300 people going to fucking talk about it and nobody's going to fucking expect that to ever fucking happen. I mean, dude, it frustrates me because I'm the first person to go tell somebody to go fuck themselves. That's probably why I burned some bridges. But you know what? Those people know that they're not going to fuck with me again. And I just want to make sure, bro, that you haven't fucking that you've turned over every stone that you got in their face and that you just don't come off as the guy saying, well, you know, hey, I'm out here. You know, if anybody's interested. No, that fucking comp dude. And you've proven it here tonight that the confidence levels there, that it, that you're fucking bulletproof that no matter what, nobody's going to knock you off your fucking stride. Nobody's going to knock you off your fucking track. And if it comes, it does come. And you said it perfectly. This business don't owe you shit, but you've given enough to it that you'll always be fucking remembered. Well, I hope so. And you know what? If I'm not remembered for being a national wrestler, um, then I want to be remembered for being one of the best who's never made it on TV. There's a lot of guys, um, that were are known for being great, but never really made that dent on -hmm. a national level. Would I be happy with myself if I didn't make it on a national level? Honestly, no, because guess what? Everyone that I know says I deserve to be on TV on some shape, form or fashion for some company or in Japan. I would love to go wrestle in new Japan. I would love to go wrestle for Noah, all Japan, any Japanese company, because that's my style. I grew up in the doghouse. We watched nothing but fucking Japanese wrestling 24-7. Now, all my matches like that? No, because I present the match that needs to be presented. If I need to be the chicken shit heel, I'll play the chicken shit heel. Mm-hmm. If I need to be the sarcastic heel, I'll be the sarcastic heel. If I need to be a baby face, I'll be the baby face. Whatever you need me to be, I be. That's who I am. But again, it is what it is. Now, I'm not, I'll, I'll let everybody know out there, whoever listens to this, whether they're in the business or not, GGP, pop it on, myself, I am not just happy to be here. You will never see me being that guy on the card who's just happy to be there and just goes through the motions. I will do everything in my power to outshine everybody, but not go into business with myself doing so because I'm a professional. And I know how to do it. And I've been doing it for 22 years to where I, after 22 years, I'm still relevant. And people still talked about me. And pe- I have people telling me who are in the Indies now. I remember seeing you in cyberspace. I remember seeing you in JAP. I remember seeing you in Stars and Stripes or this one and that one or ICW in the Elks Lodge. It is what it is. Look, I don't have an answer. That's the million dollar question. But the, at the end of the day, I'll give you an answer when I get an opportunity, you know? And that's that. When I was going to WWE all the time, it was the land no. of the giants, right? Um, everybody at the time needed to be 6'4", 6'4", 6'4", 6'2", 6'3", 6'4". I'm fucking 5'10", dude. When my lift's on, I'm close to six feet. My boot's on, right? I had Jamie Noble, who's 5'7", tell me, sorry, bro, I'm 5'7", I'm telling you, you're not tall enough, you're taller than me. But keep up, maybe things will change, right? So what happens? When Regal goes to bat for me at 38, he's like, yeah, Corona doesn't want to give you a shot. Or, or whoever the was no not Carano, the guy who's uh right triple hands right hand man, the fucking volleyball player. Um, what was his name? Um, fuck. 
not Cummings. What was his name? Whatever his name is. Anyway, Seaman. Can you see me? Okay. He doesn't want to give you an opportunity. Got to get over on the Indies even more, become, an, become like an A-plus player on the Indies, and hopefully you'll get an opportunity. And that changed. Because then they start bringing in, other, you know, Samoa Joe, fucking this one, that one. Who's my age? But these mm-hmm. guys these guys were indie darlings. I wasn't an indie darling. I, I would say I was an A-minus, B-plus guy compared to being an A-plus guy. If, if Samoa Joe and all those guys, CM Punk are A-plus guys because they're indie darlings, I would say I'm a level underneath them in fame-wise, not in talent-wise. Because mm-hmm. I've, I've wrestled Joe. I've wrestled CM Punk. I've wrestled them all. And each and every one of them loved the matches we've had and put my put me over left and right. So all I can tell you is what I hear firsthand from them. So, Have you been able to figure out how to merchandise yourself? Maybe, maybe that's the biggest key. They're like, he's a good wrestler. I don't know how to sell him. I don't know what well, to do. What do you want me to do? Sell foam gyros? No, but I'm just saying, I mean, you know, the Young Bucks went out there. They went to Hot Topic. They got their action figures in the stores. They got their T-shirts out there. I know that it's very difficult to go out there and be like, hey, listen, I'm an indie wrestler, but I want to be on your shelves. Of course, it's fucking almost impossible. But what can you do to show that there's value in your character? The only thing I can tell you to do that I can do is just do what's, what I'm doing now, do it differently than everybody else. Try to throw it on social media, on YouTube, get be more of a presence on YouTube, I'm guessing. And... Continued. I mean, look, this last year, almost year and a half, was a wash because of fucking COVID. Now it's starting from scratch. Now things are starting to open up, and I'll and I'll do what I have to do, and I'll get where I need to get. Uh, I had a New Japan tryout that I had to pull out of because I got injured. Someone dropped me and fucked up my collarbone. There was you a New Japan tryout. Yeah, and I had to pull out a week before because I got injured. This is what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm so close to the brass ring, but then it gets mm-hmm. taken away from me because uh. of situations that shouldn't have happened. Now. Would it let something? Who knows? Mm-hmm. I won't know until it happens. So, look, I go to I go to Cali. I wrestle for Marquez for the United Wrestling Network. Grand old time. Had great fucking thing. Did did great. Got nothing but love from everybody who saw it. Everyone put me over left and right. Okay, great. Then what? Exactly. So, yeah. so then COVID hits. Okay, everything's done. Everything's on the shelf. So it is what it is. You know, fucking what's the guy's name from WWE that got fired? Muhammad Ali? No. Um, Hassan? No fucking Muhammad idea. Hassan. Right okay. with Hogan. Oh, do- that guy. Back then. You're his right. first match back. Mm-hmm. His first match back wrestling after 18 years up in Immortal Championship Wrestling in upstate New York. Who'd they put him in the ring with? This guy right here. Right? Yeah. I, and I carried him. And I'm not saying that to be uh, egotistic. Right, but he had the rust. Exactly. He told me, bro, you're going to have to carry me. Don't worry. I got you, dude. I'll make you look like a million dollars. And I did. And the match itself was phenomenal. Put him over. He fucking shined. And guess what? The fucking match on YouTube blew up. 100,000 views, 150,000 views, whatever the fuck it was. I don't know. A few hundred thousand views. What about me? This guy blew up. He did whatever he had to do. He didn't come back into the business full time. The guy's a principal, nice guy, sweetheart. In a school, he's already, you know, he's established, he has a family. Wait a minute, this guy looks great. And all those who are in the business said, No, don't say, hey, Wait a minute, the guy who's making him look great, let's look at him. So it's like a double edged sword. Do I sit there and go, Hey guys, look at me, I made him look like a million dollars. What about me? No, because then I look like a little bitch. Right. And that's not who I am. I'm a fucking man. If you can't see the talent that's in front of you, then I can't help you. Go get fucking glasses that fucking uh uh-huh. 
Pearl or whatever the fucking eyeglass store you need to fucking get and see what the fuck you're missing. I don't know. I mean, I really don't know. So, you so know? if you never make it in the ring, would you be content being a trainer? Would you be content no. working at the performance center, teaching the guys from Lake Slap City? No. No? No. Just like if, just like if I got a job tomorrow being a referee. I can't do it. Yeah. I can never be a ref. I need all eyes on me on my ham. And that's why I really don't want to be a tag wrestler. If I get the opportunity where I need to be a tag wrestler, that's my only way in the door to get that fucking Scott Ole and fucking get my foot in the door in the national. I will. But I'd rather be a singles wrestler because being a singles wrestler, I can control the match. I can control my opponent. I can control the crowd. With the tag wrestling, it's kind of hard because now there's four guys in the ring as opposed to two. So I have to worry about the other two guys I can't control. Mm -hmm. One of them falls asleep waiting for a hot tag on the corner. He's not being live. You know, he's not being all fucking rambunctious trying to make a hot tag. Or he's just being a dick. He's not being a heel and he's bringing down the match. He's not playing to the crowd. So many variable factors that don't, that could make the, the, the match just shit. And then everybody looks horrible. So mm -hmm. I'd rather be controlling my own destiny and be a singles wrestler. But again, if I get the opportunity to go wrestle in Japan and be part of a fucking tag team, then I will. What, what what's Greek God Papadon looking like now? So I, I haven't seen it matches in a while. So what what's the gimmick like now? The gimmick is what you see is what you get. It's just embellished. I come out. I tell people the truth that the Greeks invented everything, mm -hmm. and that they should be thankful and pay homage to me because if it wasn't for me, they'd be living in caves, still rubbing sticks together to invent fire. We invented wrestling. We invented the Olympics. We invented mathematics, uh, advancements in medicine, astronomy. All the, you name it, 90% of the words in this English language comes from Greek words. These are all facts. Mm -hmm. I, embellish, I embellish them, obviously, and tell these people that without us, you would have nothing. We give you democracy on a fucking silver platter, and you guys turn it into a republic in this country and fuck it up with your Democrats and Republicans. And the people get upset. Because it's true. How, how are you conveying that character in the ring? Like, like I'm sure that the kid, the, the, the disabled kid that had the sign for, for the guy, is he understanding the whole Greek mythology? Oh, shit? he is. He is. He, is, he is. Okay. Look, I am, when you see me wrestle, you could say I'm almost like Johnny Valentine, where I take his mantra and say, you may not believe wrestling is real, but you're mm. going to believe GGP is real and everything I do is real. You're not going to question what you see is fucking phony baloney bullshit because what I do is what I do well. So when you see me in the ring, I you could you could say I'm a cross between Finley, Regal, Malenko with a slash of Bachwinkle all intertwined. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. To a point where You'll see me be a fucking prick when I need to be a prick and a bully when I need to be a bully. Okay. And you'll see you'll see me powder back off when I need to pack off. You'll see me be a fucking aggressive when I need to be aggressive. And you'll see me be where I need to be for my baby faces to make my baby faces me look like a million dollars. And at the same time, I'll have the crowd in the palm of my hands the entire time from the time I come out mm -hmm. to the time the bell rings, whether my arm is raised or I get pinned. They will be at the edge of their seats, hollering and raving because I can control them like that. It's just a gift. I know so what they I, want to see. I'm going to share a little fantasy with you. Not fan. Don't take that the wrong. <laughs> but you know, I fall asleep and I think about booking. So every now and then, I'll have that itch of like, God damn! If I come into some money, I'm gonna go run a show. Here's the guys I would book. Here's what I would do. But how do I appeal to this crowd? I got to make it sports entertainment. You're always the first guy on the fucking list. 
Well, thank you. That means and, a lot. And, 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 I'm, and I'm always thinking, I'm like, all right, but the Greek God thing, how do we make that more of a Greek God? How do we dig deeper into the Greek story? And then I started fucking around with the idea of Gladiator, Russell Crowe. Here comes the guy with the fucking helmet. He goes into the arena. Before the match, he goes out on one knee and touches the fucking mat. And like it's the dirt there. Then he goes to fucking war because he's a Greek Roman general. He's this fucking guy who's battling. Tell me. Go ahead. Go. No, no, go ahead. <laughs> Again, I, this is a I, fantasy. No, I agree with you. But that kind of works if I was babyface. Greek God. Right. Yeah. If heel Greek God mm-hmm. is exactly what I'm telling you right now rubbing your face in facts but embellishing those facts to make me look that much better right telling all the wrestlers that i'm better than everybody because wrestling is embedded in my dna yada Mm. yada yada which is all facts right um and then here's here's the sports entertainment aspect and i tried doing this for the uwn pay-per-view i just couldn't get it all together right Picture this. Three chicks come out dressed as Greek goddesses, dropping rose petals on the floor. Uh I walk on the rose petals, right? As I'm walking to the ring on the rose petals, one of them gets on all fours. One of them goes like this. I grab that one's hand. I step on the other one's back, and she is my steps into the ring. The third one holds the rope. I go through the rope. They derobe me. They put some oil on me. They anoint me. They're all bowing in front of me. Uh-huh. In front of the hard cam. That's the Greek God. There's your sports entertainment. Right. There's your visual. And if you think that's too 80s or too hokey, no. we can spice, no. we can spice it up. I, I don't think get, get over with the Me Too movement. But- <laughs> Listen, if, they, if, if the Me Too movement wants to get over, they can go to Subway for sponsorship. They could go make everybody a sandwich. I don't care. Point is that if we can even change it up, I'll get a fucking butchy six foot six diesel chick and she, I can call her my Hercules mm-hmm. or the descendant of Hercules and she could be my China and be my bodyguard. There's the heat factor. Mm-hmm. Or even better yet, there was a kid who was a flippity doo guy on UWN who was in the right place at the right time. Picked me up at the airport, got a match that night. But it was a good flippity do that die. Like he looked like a wrestler and mm-hmm. he does like acrobatic shit, not just, you know, high spots. I said that I can use Tim as a protege and call him Aries the whole time. And the whole time he could tell me, hey, my name isn't Aries. My name is Jack or whatever his name is, John or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Aries, just don't fly too close to the sun. You'll burn your wings, you know, shit yeah. like that. And, and throw shit like that out there verbally. Right. And he'd just be like, what? what? What are you talking about? You know what I mean? And I could just be delusional, you know. Uh, there's so many fucking things we can do and make it work to be entertaining. Uh, then that's what I was going to say. Entertainment. So I'm thinking gladiator. You ever use the other uh, thumb gimmick to fuck with the fans to get them riled up and the thumbs up, the thumbs down. No, because I don't, I don't play with the fans. No. I don't play the, because a heel does not, should not go to the fans for their consent. Okay. I'll play to the fans uh, the way a certain, like a heel should do mm-hmm. to get heat. I'll beat the shit out of the fa- out of their baby face, their their savior, their hero. Then I'll look at them and I'll yell at them. This is your hero. This is who you cheer for. And That's then I'm talking boom. about. Are you not entertained? Exactly. But yes. I don't say, "Are oh, you not entertained?" I'll right. steal yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. You know <laughs> what I mean? Would be I just rub. I rub the salt in the wound after I cheaply took him down. And as soon as he's down, I'm king of the world. I'm kicking him all he's down. Then he starts coming back. Oh shit! Oh shit! Oh shit! <laughs> Backpedal like a heel because that's what a heel does. So right? let, let, let's pull let's pull pull the, the layers back a little bit. Um, 
what what do you study? What, what, what's, I, obviously, you and I have a very similar mindset into what we watch and what we're influenced by in the business. But when you got to go back for a little more resource, what, what are you going? What tapes are you watching? I watch everything, bro. Mm-hmm. Uh, from back in the day, I am a huge proponent and mark of, of Jim Crockett Promotions, the NWA. Mm-hmm. That is my bread and butter. What years? Right? From mid 80s mm-hmm. to about 89. Okay. 90 till when everything started falling apart. Right. Um, the varsity club, the road wars, mm-hmm. the Steiner brothers, sting surfer sting, uh, uh, Brad Armstrong, greatest fucking underappreciated wrestler of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, the horsemen, but my favorite unit of the horsemen, Arn, Tully, Flair, Wyndham. Um, of the only one on Ensign, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. I think he's better than Ric Flair. Mm-hmm. Um, he may not have the glitz and the glamour, but he's a worker. The brain, uh, Tully and on the greatest tag team of all time. Absolutely. They can wrestle the Road, Road, Road Warriors one week, make them look like a million dollars, then wrestle, you know, uh, the Rock and Roll Express the next week, or the the the, the Rockers in WWE, or the you know Pan Am Connection, or whatever yeah. the hell they and just they're they they're chameleons. They're able to to adapt and make everybody look mm-hmm. good. That's that's who I love. Like I love Arn Anderson so much. I love Tully Blanchard so much. I'm a very big mark from Malenko, Benoit, Guerrero, um, Saturn before he went to fucking Haywire, mm-hmm. Jericho, especially Finley and especially Regal. That style of ruggedness and man and realness and grinding someone while he's fucking down because mm-hmm. that's what you would do in a street fight. That's what you see when you see me as a heel. You'll see me fish hooking people. You see me cross facing people. You see me fucking talking shit, licking their side of their faces when the hard kid, just doing shit that you would do. Just and I, I and that's what you're supposed to do because you're supposed to get this them emotionally is the attached. Shit that I want to see on YouTube. This is the shit I want to see in your social media. Like, oh shit, there goes there it goes again. Well, look, it's very simple. Anyone listening, Greek God Papadon's a YouTube channel. Go subscribe, like, hit the notification bell. You get to see everything. Uh, maybe I should start posting more matches uh, on YouTube. But the problem is, you know, I post it on YouTube or I'll post a link to you, you know, to my channel. Certain people will go like it, whatever, whatever, whatever. And that's it. You, you got to find a way to cut these clips and give it again what we discussed before this new generation, this new culture. It's 60 seconds or less. Give them yeah. that one minute right. of you fucking fish hooking them. Give them that one minute of you just fucking doing the camera like, oh, shit, I need to see more of this guy. Where do I get it? 60 second doses. So it's it, like me in the sack. <laughs> I don't that's even know a, that. that that's, know. A, that's on a good day, 60 <laughs> seconds. Shit. Yeah, you need to work out on your pullout game what you got to do. You, you need that fucking fadeaway. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan for three. No, in the hair. There he goes. <laughs> Um, right, listen, let's switch it over. I, I know we right. were again. I don't want to make it seem like, like like I'm beating you up on the whole thing, brother. But it, you are too good of a guy to tell these motherfuckers how you really feel deep down inside. So I want to do it for you because, dude, I have been your advocate from day fucking one, and I will not rest until you get thirty fucking seconds. That's not a lot to ask for. Thirty seconds of TV time. Make it 60 because, you know, commercial breaks, you can't do much in 30. Fucking 60 seconds of TV time is all I want because then I know that there's a fucking Greek god up there that's making all you've done is fucking paid off. Let's flip this, though. Okay, flip it. You're a movie guy. I'm a movie guy. A year and a half. We should do a podcast together. 
I know we've talked about that. I know, I know, and and and, and this this is your audition. So. <laughs> my audition. Fucking guy treats me like the fat girl at the end of the bar with no beer left to get. Well, hey, fuck it, man. You know, you, you can't. You beggars can't be choosy. You got to take what you can get. And fat girls give good head. What are you gonna do? So, what have you been watching? A year and a half in the pandemic. I don't want to go with a year and a half, but I mean, what's kept you busy? Let's say the last. The last days? thing. The last thing I watched was last night. I watched Army of Darkness. Would you on- Army of Darkness or Army of the I'm Dead? Sorry, Army of the Dead. My bad. What'd you Army think? I loved it. Why? Sell me. I'm not a big zombie guy. Okay. I'm not. The only other, there's only, all right, the greatest zombie movie, in my opinion, uh, is Zombieland and Zombieland 2. I love Zombieland. I'm a big. Those big, are the greatest mo- zombie movies of all time? Well, no. I mean, look, you have Romero's original, right? I understand that. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I may have seen it in passing when I was younger, but the ones I love are because I'm not a big zombie guy. Again, okay. Zombieland and Zombieland 2 offer something that most zombie movies don't. Mm-hmm. That is a plethora of variety. You have your laughs, you have your women, you have your zombies, you have Woody Harrelson, you have the fucking nerd guy who wanted to be Lex Luthor, but ended mm-hmm. up being not Lex Luthor. But regardless, um, they were great movies. Yeah. The only other really zombie movie I really, really enjoyed was Dawn of the Dead, which was Zach. Uh, Go fuck yourself right now. Why? Take time off and go stick something in your ass and come back when you're done. Well, if I do that, I'll kill the gerbil, but go on. Why? (laughs) I'm just saying, dude. Let me tell you something. What? I'm going to be 46 in September. My very earliest memories are being in a movie theater. Three, four years old. 78 was a huge year for me. 78, I wanted to go see Romero's original Dawn of the Dead in theaters. Okay. That movie... Is a fucking masterpiece. Oh, it now, is. I'm not saying it's not. There are certain films that should never be remade. That's a, that's a holy grail. That's a cardinal fucking sin. You go and remake that movie and the way he did it. Zack Snyder can go fuck himself. Oh, I disagree, bro. Because I, I look again. Yeah. I'm not a proponent of the original because I don't recall the original. This was my first entry point into zombie movies. That was like the first real zombie movie I've seen. Mm-hmm. I liked it because it was different. It was a fresh take. It was something new, and it had Ving Rhames in it, who's a good actor. And it was cool. Now, yeah. this one I liked with Batista. I thought it was really cool. You know what I'm saying? Um, I liked I liked the idea of the fucking zombie with the helmet. That was pretty badass. That, the, that was smart. You know, the 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 queen zombie, uh, the chick, the coyote chick with the blonde hair was hot. She was nice to look at. You know what I'm saying? The guy who looked well, like for the wrong fucking reason. No, but I'm just <laughs> look, I I'm not a big zombie guy. So I, I like the movie. I like the movie. Okay. Uh, before that, I watched, what did I watch? I watched Jupiter's Legacy. Which Tom the Mark- Holland and Dave no no no, 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 no. No, no. Jupiter's Legacy was the Mark Miller comic book series uh, brought to life. Okay. Uh, it was done very well. I liked it. Okay. Um, I watched Invincible, which was another comic book movie from Mark Miller, but it was the a Robert cartoon. Kirkland? Was it Rob? No, it's Rob Mark Miller. No, it's he, Kirkland. Invincible. Is it Kirkland? The guy who did, yeah, guy who did Walking Dead. He's okay, Invincible. yeah. Okay, him. Sorry. Which so, I saw clips. And I was blown away. Oh, it was fa- fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Obviously, the Bad Batch I'm watching now. Uh-huh. Fan- great. Um, Mandalorian. Right. Second, fantastic. Probably one of the best, t- some of the best TV I've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. Cobra Kai. Best TV show ever written. Uh-huh. Uh, reason because it's such a great blend of uh, new school and homage to the old school without burying the old school. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? They're doing it. They're intertwining, intertwining it perfectly. 
Um, what other movies have I seen recently? I saw a movie with Idris uh, Idris Alba where he was a, a cowboy in Philadelphia on Netflix, which was eh, yeah. wasn't that great. Um, and that's the thing. Recently, I mean, I got excited when I mean, not excited the pandemic happened, but when Warner Brothers announced that they, that they were going to release a 2020 slate on HBO Max, I'm like, fuck yeah, this is great because just bought a new house, got a 75 inch TV on the thing, surround. So I'm like, fuck, I got a theater right here. Watching these movies, and I'm going to run down that list. Mortal Kombat, watched it last night. Heard it sucked. Not terrible. Not terrible. I, I was surprised. Maybe based on all the other shit that I've seen. I'm a huge Denzel Washington mark, okay? I'll pay to watch that motherfucker read the phone book, okay? That was a, that was a good movie. But the it wasn't little things? Great. Yeah, it wasn't great. Mm, yeah, I mean... I, I mean, think I think, I think think it got edited a little too much. I think there's more meat to the bone that they're probably holding back. So apparently that, that script was floating around Hollywood for about 10 years, and they couldn't okay. get it made. Now you get three... Oscar winners. You get Jared Leto. You get Samuel. Uh, what's his name? Rami Malek, um, and Denzel Washington. And that's the shit that you put out. I don't know, dude. I, I, I was I was left underwhelmed. I was underwhelmed as well. But yeah. that's why I said it was good, not great. I mean, it wasn't um, bad by any man means. Of it. Like Wonder Woman eighty four was bad. Oh. That was the shits. And ironically, here's a weird thing. For some reason, I enjoyed that one better than the first Wonder Woman. What? Yeah, I did. There's, there's one scene that I loved. That that scene in what is it? No Man's Land. Well, she's climbing up the ladder and she's just fucking wiping them all out, clearing the way. Other than that, that movie was fucking overrated. Wonder Woman and Black Panther, both mediocre movies at best. And don't get me wrong, I fucking loved what Michael B. Jordan did with, with, with the Killmonger. I love that fucking character, what he said at the end. You make sure you just put my body in the sea there. It was like a beat with my ancestors who jumped off the ships. I mean, dude, that hit me in the heart. I was like, wow, that's, that's fucking writing. But overall, Wonder Woman, the first Wonder Woman, Black Panther, was a fucking social justice. Just like, oh, we got to, you know, I want to see myself on the screen and women power and black power and this power and that power. I'm like, yo, let's not forget that that we've had other females as leads. Let's not forget Sarah Connor and the Terminator. Let's not forget Wesley Snipes' Blade. Let's not forget that we've had other action stars. Don't make this thing big because it's a fucking superhero movie, dude. I mean, I, I think they blew it out of proportion. I could see your point of view. I don't agree with you. I think Wonder mm. Woman... The first one was good. I think it lost itself in the third act. They always do uh, DC. You know, with Ares. I think they, they, mm -hmm. they casted the wrong guy as Ares. But whatever. Um, I think Black Panther, not the greatest Marvel movie. Definitely a great movie, but not... But it was your typical standard, uh, you know, almost like having the same type of wrestling match in every match type of movie. You have your... Your movie and you have your typical storyline. The bad guy dies at the end. Just like Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange was your typical movie. Superhero yeah. movie. Nothing special. Good movie. Nothing that makes you go, fuck, that was great. Like for me, I, I liked Ant-Man. Because okay. it, was, it was more of a comedy. Mm -hmm. It is a heist film. But it's Ant-Man. Like who gives a fuck about Ant-Man? But they made it. They made it. They made you give a shit about the, the character. You know, uh, in those two films. And... They did a good job. It was different. They made they made chicken salad out of chicken shit with that character, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Um, I would rather see, to be honest with you, with all these movies coming out, I would love to see an old school 1960s TV series, miniseries of Kirk Douglas as the original Ant-Man, Michelle Pfeiffer, the original Wasp, uh, Lawrence Fishburne as the original Goliath on a mission against Germans, Nazis, mm. or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Something like that in the early days of S.H.I.E.L.D. I think that'd be cool. Uh, just like, like, see, like an Irishman version where we 
de-ageify them? What are the fuck? Yeah, why not? Why not? Yeah. And then and then I would like to also see uh from Solo, right? One of my favorite Star Wars movies, Solo, where we had Wesley Snipes, uh, not Wesley Snipes, um Donald Glover? No, 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 Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson's oh. crew. Right, okay. his his crew before they met up with Solo. How the fuck did you mix up Woody, Woody Harrelson and 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 Wesley Snipes? White one man can't jump. The other one's purple. White, white man can't jump. That's why. <laughs> okay. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, what do you call it? Have have like a little mini series about their crew before they met up in Solo uh-huh. on some adventures. I, I like those characters. I think you there's see a lot. Him fucking robots is what you want to see. You want to see him give it to that bitch in the circus? No, 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 no. See, in my in my canon. Uh-huh. Uh, Lando's not pansexual. He's a ladies man. For forty oh, okay. years, he, he's been a ladies man. That SJW nonsense about making him pansexual is mm-hmm. stupid. Yeah, they he, need to put Demi, Demi Lovato in there, and she could throw labels. Fuck and Demi Lovato. She's a retard. No offense to retards. That's a retard. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> that back. I just offended the whole, uh, you know, Listen. community of, of people who are, you know, yo. Uh, there's certain words you can't take away from me. And in this fucking, this coddled culture, you can't take away midget. You can't take away retard. I use those on a daily basis. I'm sorry. She's an attention seeking idiot. Okay. Yeah. You think because she's, she, she, she comes out saying, my pronouns are they and them and this. I don't care if your pronouns are fucking he, she, they, them. Who cares? Just because you declared that on social media, everyone got to bow you the altar of Demi Lovato. Who the fuck and made her the ambassador? Exactly. And on top of that, today she goes, I'm 1% African. She's dressing all African and all this oh, shit. Shut it's up. like, shut the fuck up. Stop pandering. Stop doing that. You're part of the problem. You know what I'm saying? Like, look at me. Look what I can do. Like Stewie from Mad TV. Look what I can do. Look at me. Wee. Dude, it's fucking hysterical. One of the best memes I've ever seen online was um, what was a uh, like it was like a barbecue joint. And they put on the outside. It was like, oh, it's hotter in here than a spoon at Demi Lovato's house. So I was just I fucking pop for that. Pop. Pop, that's awesome. <laughs> Yo, speaking of Michael B. Jordan, did you catch Without Remorse? Without Remorse. The Tom Clancy movie that he did for, I want to say it was Amazon Prime. No. Solid, solid flick, man. He can make a franchise out of this. Good stuff there. Now, what pissed me off with this dude, though, you know he's directing the third Creed movie, and there's no Stallone in it. Yeah, Stallone don't want to be in it, which kind of pisses me off. Yeah, I don't know if I can sit through a Creed movie without Sly. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I thought I thought Creed two was good, predictable. Yeah, but, but they good. had to do it. They had to. They had to. They made chicken salad, chicken shit. But mm-hmm. if they did, push me. If they did Creed three with like fucking Clubber Lang's kid, then you're then you're going to the wall one too many yeah, times. Yeah, th- there's no connection there. But you know, so, in Creed two, the scene that hit me in the heart the most is when Drago goes to see yes, Rocky inside the fucking yes. in the diner, and he's looking yes. at all the fucking photos in the wall, and I'm like. Oh my god, because they haven't seen each other face to face in over 30 years. And he's looking at, at just the guy that took away everything from him. And they had this conversation, not as boxes, but as two men who've lost it all. Oh my god, what a fucking scene. Yeah, I agree. I totally a hundred percent agree with you. There's certain there's certain scenes in certain movies that stand out. That's one of mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Uh, another, another one that stands out for me. I mentioned it the other night on a on a on a podcast. I don't know if it was the NFO, but um true romance. Man, the scene where uh, they find Christian Slater's dad, who's played by um, by Dennis Hopper and Christopher Dennis, Walken. Yes, <laughs> yeah. that scene is so fucking powerful. The lighting, the mood, the mm. ambiance—not just the dialect. I mean, it's funny, whatever. You know, it's very racist, whatever. But 
it's it it's acting at its like you lose yourself in that scene shit like that like james gandolfini was awesome in that movie there's certain scenes in certain movies like that that just just will stand the test of time when you talk about that scene and granted the dialogue is on par it's tarantino's first screenplay but yeah. when you're watching dennis hopper i mean Trust me, Christopher Walken just chews the scene up. But Dennis Hopper, as a man protecting his son, you knowing he's going to die, he takes the Chesterfield. He's like, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to fucking insult you on the way out. Yeah. And you just and, know, put the bullet in me, but you're not getting my son. And it's the little nuances with the cigarette and the way he yeah. moves and all these little things like just make it so fucking dope. And, the, and, and to me, even in wrestling, but with acting as well, the... Attention is always in the little details. Mm -hmm. That's what separates everything. Whether yeah. it's a coconut to the side of Jimmy Snooker's head, <laughs> or or it's the scene with Dennis Hopper. It's mm -hmm. just little 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 tiny nuances and details that come into play. It just gets you. You know what I'm saying? It just gets you. What what's what's one movie without question all the time, hands down, never fails. It makes you cry. Oof, there's a couple. Um, the rookie with Dennis Quaid. All right, interesting choice. Okay, because he's a he's a guy who's a gym teacher, who at a, I don't know, fifty years old or whatever he mm -hmm. is, throws a hundred and ten mile an hour fastball and makes it to the pros finally. You know, hey, what is, I'm there, is there a particular scene in that movie that just busts the pipes open for you? It's when he makes it. When he makes it. Okay. And he steps onto the field for the first time as a pro. All right. It's just like all that hard work, all that dedication, your entire livelihood comes down to that one scene you step onto the field and all that hard work just pays off because you're at the dance. Mm -hmm. you know, and I can relate because if it ever happens to me, emotionally, that's how I would be inside. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Yeah. So, uh, and I granted what we do is a work, but at the same time, getting touted by the powers that be in said company and making you the face that runs the place or the face of the company mm -hmm. or makes you put you in the top spot where you're, you know, people turn on to see you. It's a great honor because they're giving everything. They're giving you the ball. They're giving you the confidence to run with. They believe in you. And just uh -huh. that belief factor itself means so much. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, yeah that that's definitely one. Um, what's one that I always cry. Any, anything that when it comes to family, as far as kids and, yeah, dude, the older that I get, the fucking weaker my heart gets. Anything that deals with a father and their children. And yes. Their, dude, I fucking lose. Oh, you're going to laugh, but Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> Wait, which part? <laughs> where, where, where he's like, you're my brother, Anakin. I that love would make you. you but, all right, oh. but do you get the waterworks or do you like fucking ball up on that I one? Get, I, get, I, get, I get choked up, man. I Choke, get choked yeah. up. That and when, 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 spoiler alert for people who didn't watch it, but. Force Awakens when Kylo Ren slays Han Solo. Yeah, you know, you mentioned that on your podcast. I, I don't, I don't. Mm. When, when, when Han Solo grabs and touches his face like a father would, like it just hits me in the feel. Maybe because I can see my son killing me. I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? You see, and that's it. It's just to me, it kind of ruined the movie. And, and it's one of those get the fuck out of here with this shit. I understand. I mean, if anything, I was crying because we're losing Han Solo. And then, like we mentioned on your podcast, let's let's give it a shout out again. That's the new for new Force Order. That's right, Dennis. Force, Force Order. Order. Okay. And then, and then we'll, we'll have to give the plugs on that later on, where they get where they can sign up to uh to catch that. But um, yeah, man. If if I was gonna cry over that scene, it's because I know that shit. You just killed Han Solo. We're not gonna get the the, yeah, the band yeah. back together again. So I'm like, yeah, I agree. 
So, you know, it, it's frustrating. One movie that fucking makes me lose it every time without fail because there's not a single wasted frame in that movie is The Green Mile. Dude, when they put Michael Clark Duncan, they have to execute after everything that he's done, after all the miracles he performed. They know he's a Jesus character, but now they, they are they're the Judas. They got to take him to the, to the crucifixion and they're sitting there losing it. Dude, I fuck every goddamn time. It, it's without fail, man. And there's another movie that 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 is a small masterpiece that people do not talk about for some odd reason. I don't know why. I don't know if you ever seen uh, Joe Carnahan's The Gray with Liam Neeson. The Gray. No, I've I've heard of it, but I never watched it. Bro, do yourself a favor. That is a movie where you know nothing about these characters until they're about to meet their demise. He's okay. a bunch of strangers who are forced to work together, and they work this weird, really weird, shitty job in Alaska, wherever the fuck the case is, because they can't find work anywhere, anywhere else, because maybe they have a mental problem. Maybe they've got, uh, you know, they burn bridges. Maybe they're a felon. But you don't know these things until they're about to lose their life. And dude, that movie hits you in the fucking feels, especially the end when Liam Neeson is the last one there. He's got to fight these fucking wolves with little bottles. On and I know some people can get mad with that end. They're like, yo, what the fuck? But that's what makes it a classic. I gotta check it out. I, oh yeah, dude. I'm not gonna spoil it for you, but please check that movie out when you get a chance. There, there's times where, where I ride a wave. I don't know if you do that, where like you know you get connected to a certain actor. You're like, yo, I want to see more of his shit. And lately, I've been on riding a Frank Grillo wave, dude. That that's a man's man right there. Frank and, Grillo. Why does that name ring a bell? Holy shit, dude! You want to do a fucking movie podcast? Are you serious? <laughs> Listen, you gotta realize one thing: 22 years of being in the ring. I'm not going to uh, remember everybody's fucking name. Tell me what role he plays. And I go, oh, yeah, I remember that guy. He's Crossbones or whatever the fuck his oh, name okay, is. Okay, okay, okay. All right. Italian guy with great fucking hair, man. Awesome dude. Um, but I, I'm not a big MMA fan. And somebody said, oh, you got to watch the show Kingdom. It's about boxing. I was like, oh, I love boxing. I'm a fucking dude. Rocky, is, Rocky and Star Wars is religion in my house. So I go check it out. I'm like, oh, this is MMA. And I see Grillo pop up. I'm like, all right, if Grillo's in it, I'm going to check it out. What's it called? It's called Kingdom. Three King. seasons. Dude, oh, it's on Netflix? It was actually uh, AT&T and DirecTV. And it was okay. just on Netflix. They just pulled it, I want to say, April 30th. Oh, I don't know where to find it now, dude. But, dude, only three seasons. And there's times I don't like watching a lot of TV because I get invested like The Walking Dead. Some of the best writing I've ever fucking seen. But after season seven, eight, maybe, it's like, yo, kill the show next. Bite the fucking show. I, I can't do this anymore. Or you get a fucking show that you get so invested in and the network decides to cancel it. Now I have no closure. Yeah. This show was only three, three seasons. It could have went more, but the way they fucking ended it and every episode, dude, it's just, it hooks into you. Fucking genius, man. And you, Alexa, know, you know, it was a good show like that. I used to watch it, but I fell that? off not watching it. Uh, this is us. I heard that's great, man. Is that, I'm, a, I'm a sucker. I'll sit with my wife and watch shit like that. That, that, that's what exactly I was sitting with my wife. when you started watching the first season and then our 37 kids came into play and they dude, fucking you say 37, dude. <laughs> so they 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 came into play and uh -huh. we fell off and we stopped watching it. Oh, uh, uh, here's here's a good show that you would love. Okay. You will appreciate this because you're a father and you're a hard worker. Kim's convenience. You mentioned this to me before, and I didn't write it down. I'm gonna write that shit down now. Like it's it. on Netflix. They just finished season five. The guy who's the main actor. I forgot his name. Paul Sung Yi, I think his name is. Okay. He's the Asian X-Wing pilot from The Mandalorian. Okay. Remember him and Dave Filoni? They were together, and then he gave Cara Dune the badge. Yep. Now I remember. He's the, lead, he's the lead actor. Okay. Kim so, and you said it's five seasons? 
they just finished season five now. There's four on, uh, but they're half hour episodes, so they go quickly. Okay. Yeah, I could burn through that then. That's not. Oh, it is hilarious, bro. Have you watched um, Barry on HBO? Barry. Yeah, with uh, Bill Hader. No. He's a for- he's a former military guy who goes into the line of work of being a hitman. Nice. And after doing it, he's like, ah, I don't want to do this anymore. So he gets a passion for acting. And the thing is, he can't get out of being a hitman. So he's got this love for acting and being a hitman. But they keep fucking up his his passion for acting because he keep pulling him into jobs. And then the people close to him that he's acting with are getting killed. And then he's got to protect. Dude, it's some of the best fucking TV I've ever seen. Barry, I'll check it out. Definitely check that one out, man. Um, but I was talking about Frank Grillo, man. I don't know. Have you seen Boss Level? Boss Level, no. Yeah, man. It's a Hulu. There's so much shit out there, bro. Dude, there's I too like... many streaming services. How the fuck can I keep up? I can't. Look, do you realize, I mean, last year I was in L.A. for, for my shoot job. And mm-hmm. we were at a talent agency, uh, APA, I think it's called. Okay. And they represent a lot of the big stars and all that stuff. 50 Cent's one of their clients. He okay. actually comes into the boardroom and come and introduces himself to all of us. I got to meet him. Uh, nice dude. Uh, they were telling us that Netflix were doing 1,000 um, pieces of original content for the 2021 season. 1,000. That's it. Movies and shows. Mm-hmm. 1,000. You know how much television, how much Scott all that is? Dude, that's crazy. They're dropping something new every week. Give, give me your take on this. I know right now they've already started production on The Flash. So uh, Andy Muschietti, who directed the uh, two It movies, Stephen King It movies, um, he's directing The Flash. And I think they're doing like the Flashpoint storyline. I don't follow comic books, so to me it doesn't mean much, but I get the cheat sheets like, oh, okay, that, that sounds like a fucking great story. Um, but if this is true, if this rumor is true, and after The Flashpoint comes out, because obviously they've already invested money in that and it's supposed to reboot the DCEU, what if they just shit canned everybody? Disney's like, yo, you, you, you're fucking out of here. We're going to reboot this whole thing the way we did Marvel. What would you think? They could. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the problem is too many people want this, uh, the Snyderverse right now because of Zack Snyder's cut of the Justice League. He might as well be walking on water right now because he made that movie watchable. He yeah. made it. He made it great, bro. In a matter of four hours, he gave you something to care about. You care about the characters. He gave you dark side. He made Steppenwolf viable before he was just a piece of shit C level boss that no one cared about. Yeah. Right. Um, I don't. You know. I mean, the original, the theatrical cut of Justice League. Uh, whoever it was, Joss Whedon that put that one out. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was. Yeah. It was an abortion. The it wasn't bad, but it was just abortion. Yeah. But just plucking the. Peanuts in the corn out of the shit is still a piece of shit. Justice, no, League. no, no, man. I disagree. I, 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 I thought, I thought the Justice League Snyder's cut was on par with Marvel. I'm, I'm gonna have to watch it at some point. I just can't bring myself. You know, you know what's fucking me? It's not even the four hours. It's the aspect ratio. I don't know right. if I just want to watch a square box on my widescreen TV for four <laughs> hours. So I'm like, eh, I don't know. But um, I, I like, I like Zack Snyder. I like the way he, he, di- he directs certain films. Like I loved um, 300. Yeah. Uh, I loved, uh, what was that? Sin City. He didn't uh, do Sin City. That was uh, Robert Rodriguez. Oh, I'm sorry. It was Robert Rodriguez. You're right. Uh, he did Sucker I loved, Punch. Sucker Punch was, it was, yeah. all right. Visually, Visually. it was great. Yeah. 
storyline, nah. um, but uh, 300 I thought was great. Uh, I thought uh, uh, the storyline for Batman vs Superman, the extended cut was a lot better than the theatrical version, okay. but still it wasn't as great as it should have been. But visually, this guy should be doing Batman because he gets Batman perfect. And in my opinion, Ben Affleck, greatest Batman of all time. Second, second by an eyelash is Michael Keaton. Okay. Okay. I'm glad you said that. So here's the thing. Like, I and they're, they're both in the in the uh, Flash movie by the in way. In the Flashpoint, yeah, which I guess they're going to do like their own multiverse of madness yep. kind of deal there, but um I I'm I don't want to say I'm not a fan of Zack Snyder. I know Zack Snyder, first of all, a very talented guy. Yes. I'm not crazy about his decisions. Um I'm not going to say his movies are man- massive piece of shit with the exception of Dawn of the Dead for personal reasons. Um but I think his Man of Steel was fucking brilliant. Mm. One of the greatest comic book movies ever made now here's the thing let, 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 let me just sell you on a movie from a director i don't even fucking like okay first of all, all right. you, ne- you never got to see krypton fall anywhere you saw it for maybe three minutes with marlon brando and then but i got to see what krypton looked like the battle of fucking krypton general zod which just wasn't some fucking bad guy looking for revenge general zod is a conflicted character he's a military man trying to find a way to save the planet even if it means destroying another planet he's trying to save his people third of all Nobody sucked Superman's dick that entire movie. They never called him Superman. They treated him like a fuck. They were like, yo, you're an alien. You can fly. You got shit coming out your eyes. You go like you're from out of space. You're a fucking alien. They treated him that way as if he were a fucking glow. Like if he was a, a UFO threat. I mean, there's certain things that they did in that fucking movie. And the greatest scenes in that movie that fucking tear me up is that he takes a Terrence Malick approach, not only in his visual style, but what he did when, when, with Clark and the Kevin Costner character. Showing him grow up, knowing that he has these powers. It's like, you can't show this in front of the kids. They'll never understand the secrets between us. You can't show them who you really are right now. And he's growing up with that confusion. That movie's fucking brilliant and when they spin that off into batman and superman the very first half where you're seeing the impact of that fight and i know a lot of people like oh the casualties and they're killing people but the fact that you see uh, bruce wayne's company in shambles that 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 there were casualties of war there that that, that just innocent people fucking dying he's like this fucking alien came from space and murdered all these innocent people dude brilliance i don't know what happened the second half of the movie but dude you put those two together Holy shit. I agree. I agree the fact that you get to see a portion of the movie from a different point of view from Bruce Wayne in the beginning of mm-hmm. Batman vs Superman. The thing I didn't like about Man of Steel is this. Superman's a Boy Scout. And in order for him to work versus Batman, you need the yin and the yang. You need the mm-hmm. greediness and the darkness of Batman. And you need the Boy Scout and the, you know, of and the Captain America likeness that mm-hmm. they hit spot on with Marvel. Of Superman, um, that's why I think Christopher Reeve as Superman is amazing. Um, the fact that it was a little dark in tone visually kind of dimmed things down. That wasn't that much of a bad thing. The fact he could have saved his father like that and didn't save him was stupid. The fact oh, that he killed, yes, that's the tear jerking moment when the father, where he's gonna save him, and the father's like, "No, these people can't see this now. I have to take this fucking bullet." No. I think I was stupid. Second thing, uh, the second thing is him killing Zod. Mm-hmm. He didn't. He didn't have to kill Zod. All he had to do was put his hands over his eyes. He wouldn't be able to kill the people. 
Superman doesn't kill. Mm-hmm. But here's the deal. I know why they did it. They did it so he can realize, fuck, my mistake, I will never kill again. And build off that. And, and you need a foundation right. for that Boy Scoutness. But they never built on it. Listen, tomorrow morning, you walk out your house and you see a dude flying in the fucking air and landing in there and standing like this. You're going to go over there like, oh, my God, you're fucking awesome. You're super. Or you're going to run oh. for your fucking life. I wouldn't run for my life, but I wouldn't be fucking marking out to him either. Um, so I, I see your point of view. He took a very realistic approach. But again, Superman needs to be the clean cut Boy Scout because you need the opposite yin and yang effect with mm-hmm. Batman and with the villains. If Superman's killing people, there's an issue. He shouldn't have killed Zod. There's a way they could have done, they could have booked it differently. Like I said, cover his eyes, do something else, <laughs> grab him, fucking fly into this fucking space, whatever. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. All I'm saying is that just that one thing at the end, all that build up and all that cool stuff prior which was the entire film just gets diminished because the only thing i remember is the last thing i see and that's superman killing somebody and you're like come on man superman doesn't fucking kill you need him to have that fucking clean cut fucking boy scout fucking appeal so that's just me which i agree with but he wasn't superman yet yes but they didn't build on it otherwise in batman versus superman or justice league they Mm. killed him off too quick and when he came back, he started being the man he should be. And Batman was the man he should have been because of his mistake, doubting Superman. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, even BVS, they try to fit 30 pounds of shit in a 10-pound bag. The same mistake they did with the Ben Affleck Daredevil. 30 years in a two-hour movie. You can't fit all that lore right. in two hours. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's why I think the snack, uh, the Zack Snyder Justice League works in a four-hour clip because you're introducing six heroes seven heroes and you are telling their backstory and you have to get them emotionally vested with the audience mm-hmm. in order to do that you need time yeah. because they didn't they didn't take the approach they hot shot it they didn't take yeah. the approach like marvel did that's they, why it didn't work they reverse engineered it so by the time i by the time an aquaman movie here which i think was a massive pile of shit and and i love yeah. jason momoa and, and i love um yaya yaya is a fucking incredible actor he's gonna be awesome in that candy Who man the fuck's movie. yaya the fucking Black Manta guy. Yeah, yeah. He was in the... Oh, that's the his name, Yaya? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Abdul Mateen. Some shit like uh, that. All right. You know what Yaya yeah, yeah means in Greek? It means grandmother. Oh, well, there you go. Maybe he's half so, Greek. Maybe. <laughs> Outside of Athens. But I'm just saying, like, you know, you're right. You introduced them in Justice League. You got seven fucking guys there. I'm like, I know nothing about you. I don't know. I don't know why you came together because some dude has a, a fucking flash drive and said, oh, they're special. No, nothing. But then you reverse engineer and say, oh, now you're going to get your solo movies and we'll explain why you're there. They fucked it up. Marvel's I'm telling you, man. Watch the Zach, the Zack Snyder four-hour cut is an entirely different film. It 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 is leaps and bounds better, but also different. Okay. Than I, the theatrical. I will check that out. I'm not sure about the Clone Wars cartoon, but I will definitely oh, check bro, the Snyderverse. Clone Wars cartoon is money. That's a fucking big investment, man. That that's a lot of time you. But it's you. Star Wars, bro. It's worth it. I know, but it's also a cartoon. I mean, but is- but no, but it doesn't matter the medium. It's the story. The stories that are presented mm-hmm. in these half hour cartoons are phenomenal. All right, phenomenal, and they're done by George Lucas. It's not done by Disney. And I hate the prequels. But this adds a lot of weight to the prequels, where you learn to love the prequels. All right, I'm gonna give a couple of episodes a try, and I will get back to you on that. Um, Shang-Chi and the Eternals They just both dropped trailers recently What did you think? I like the Shang-Chi 
Uh, the guy, the guy who plays Saint Cheese, uh, also in Kim's Convenience. He's uh oh, he is. He's the son of Kim. Okay. Uh, the father, but the Eternals. I saw the trailer today. It looked whack. It looked like Inhumans whack. Yeah, dude, it, it looks kind of rough. I mean, you know, when, when they came out with Guardians of the Galaxy, I'm like, I never heard of these fucking guys. I'm not a comic dude, so I, to me, it means nothing. But I love the Guardians. I don't think they can get catch lightning in a bottle again with these in with what the fuck they call them again the Eternals. Yeah, the Eternals. it's not going to work for me. I don't know. I have no idea. Look, I trust in Feige because Feige's a, um, of course he's a a, a fan first. Mm-hmm. He's and he's a huge Star Wars guy. Yeah. Uh, but um, we'll see how they play it. I mean, look, a lot of people are giving backlash to Wandavision. I liked Wandavision. Love it was it. slow, yeah. mm-hmm. but I knew it was going to be slow. Right. Um, a lot of people were giving backlash to Falcon and Winter Soldier. I oh, liked Falcon. Too. I loved it, too. Uh, they were like, why do they got to talk about race? We're trying to escape all the tower times now. It's very mm-hmm. SJW-ish. I disagree. Mm-hmm. I think it was something that needed to be talked about. Oh. And it was done It was done in a way where it wasn't forced in your face. It was done organically. Right. Um, so here's the deal. Marvel, a few years ago, went all woke. Replaced all their characters. With, with different characters, a Korean Hulk, uh, Sam Wilson is Captain America, a woman this, uh, you know, Muslim uh, Miss Marvel, this, that, and the other. They changed everything around. I'm still waiting for a Puerto Rican. Who the fuck? Where is he? I don't know. He's uh, some Uber driver somewhere. I don't know what he would tell you. Um, maybe he was the luchador. I don't know. Yeah. I got he... Michael Pena and Atman. That's about it. <laughs> Dude, he was great. Yo, uh, they 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 should do a cut where he summarizes the entire Marvel timeline as Michael Pena from Batman. You know my I mean? money now, absolutely. And um, what was I saying? Oh yeah, so they all went woke, and then Marvel mm-hmm. lost a ton of money with their comics because people who got pissed, they were changing all their established characters, mm-hmm. just like Lando. You want look for Star Wars? You want to have inclusivity? You want to bring characters into the limelight to appeal to certain small demographic bubbles, whether it's trans, LGBTQ, non-binary, whatever. Great. That's cool. Make new characters. They made up two two twins yeah. in Star Wars now called uh, Tenic and Senate. They're two non-binary, white, powder-looking fuckers who are Jedis. Okay. But I didn't mind that. It's cool because they're new characters. You sure. can build yeah. off that. But taking somebody like Lando, who's been a ladies' man, a Colt 45 fucking mm-hmm. man, dingo dick swinging ladies' man for the last 40 years, the smoothest fucking character in Star Wars history, and then getting Childish Gambino to mm-hmm. add to the legacy and incorporate and add to that character, and then having the writer saying... Because it wasn't clear in the film until the fucking writer, Kazden's son, said, oh, yeah, Lando's pansexual. Why? It yeah. wasn't needed. Just because it, just because people out there are going to get up in arms if he's not? Well, mm-hmm. tough shit. Make a pansexual yeah. character. Could- I mean, don't get me wrong. I always believed ever since my introduction to Lando and Cloud City that he was fucking everybody. It don't matter what it was, I how many know. vaginas they had, how many tits they had. He was fucking everything. Yeah, but female. Robots? Pan- Pansexual means male, female, dog, fucking. It, right, right, yeah. Like, I, come on, man. Little, like, yeah, he's a little wild out there throwing his dick into everything. I don't know. 
I mean, like when I saw Lando in the Rise of Skywalker, dude should have been suffering like from wild STDs, like all fucked up and the herpes and blisters and shit like that. But again, not realistic. Um, so 2020 um, got put in the back burner. I'm a big movie guy. You're a big movie guy. Took the experience of movies away from us. What are some of the movies that got kicked back a year that are about to be re- released theatrically that you're looking forward to? Black Widow. Black Widow. Okay. Um, what else? I liked Kong versus Godzilla. Hey, the movie, the the, the, the storyline sucked. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie, the storyline was a shit. I love Skull Island. This Skull one, Island, Skull Island is my favorite okay. out of all the monster movies. Skull Island is my favorite mm-hmm. storyline. Everything was great. That's why I was Team Kong. I was a little pissed off. He kind oh, of all the time. Yeah, but the Kong versus Godzilla movie was fun. It was fun to watch. The storyline sucked, but <laughs> it was fun. You know what I mean? And it was something that was needed to watch to break the monotony of fucking watching Netflix series left and right and all this other shit. So that was fun. Um, what other movies that are supposed to come out? I was looking forward to Wonder Woman 84 till I saw it. And I wanted the money I didn't pay back. I wanted my time back. That movie was the shit. Um, what about Fast 9? That's dropping in a couple of weeks. What is it? Fast 9, the Fast and Furious movies. You into those? I love them, but it, it's coming out on, on, on streaming or in the theater? No, they're going straight to theaters. Oh, then I'll probably go yeah. watch it. But I've never seen a Fast and Furious movie in the theater. I've always watched it afterwards, either on oh, cable did. or DVD or whatever. See, I, I, it fucks me. Like, Hobbs and Shaw is a flaming piece of shit. I can't, I can't no. see that fucking movie. I love that movie. Oh, you fucking kidding me. All right, so here's the deal. I've been watching Fast and Furious since 2001, since it first mm-hmm. dropped. And I'm like, all right, I buy it. It's, you, know, the, the, you know, the racing culture, the cars and all this shit. You know, I get it. I'm not a car guy. I'm not a grease monkey, but I dig the movie. These motherfuckers were pulling heists. They were robbing trucks and stealing DVD players. Now they're fucking James Bond. Now they're going to space in this new one. I'm like, yo, enough. The fucking rock in Hobbs and Short jumped out of a building, beat people up on the way down. It was about the fucking height of the Empire State Building. His chest didn't cave in. Heart didn't stop. He had fucking time to think of his moves at the rock bottom, people's elbow, whatever the fuck he did. Dude, this certain shit. He's fucking holding a helicopter with a chain. Give me a fucking break already. Listen, that's why these movies, the, all these Fast and Furious movies, they don't make sense. They're a high spot after high spot after high spot. It's just fun. It's just like Godzilla versus Kong. It's the movie. They, it doesn't make any sense. Storyline is weak, but it's fun. And the reason you go is to go see the explosions and the racing and the titties and the yeah. bikini. And the reason why I liked Hobbs and Shaw mm-hmm. was the chemistry between The Rock and fucking what's his Nathan. name? Yeah, of course. That, that was money. That, that was like it was like the see. it was like the, the odd couple on steroids. It was it was dope. You know what I mean? This is where Dwayne Johnson goes to Hollywood. You didn't need Ryan Reynolds. You didn't need Kevin Hart. Half that fucking movie is just you know a tribute to Samoa. It's just like yo, dude, just like tone it the fuck down. Dude sold out to the industry. Like love the Rock. Love he didn't movie. sell out. He bought. Well, yeah, you can't. When you're the highest paid guy in the fucking business, 20, 30 million a film. Yeah. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. He didn't sell out. He bought in. But fuck exactly. <laughs> um, look, man, I liked it. Again, I wasn't expecting a freaking masterpiece or Citizen mm-hmm. Kane with any of these movies, but they're fun. All it is is popcorn films. You know yeah, what I mean? It, like The Irishman. The Irishman is a good film. Mm-hmm. Long in the Tooth. But not Scorsese's best. No. Like it's not Goodfellas. No, no. Goodfellas is one of my all-time favorite movies. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, why why is it one of your favorite? Because it's quotable, right? Because you can remember these fucking scenes. You can act them it's out. It's quotable, but I can relate to it. 
I grew up in Rosedale, Queens, which was a stone throw away from right. five towns, which was a stone throw away from five towns, right? Five towns is my spot. <laughs> right. So, you know, all these places these guys went to, you know, mm-hmm. I know people who are older than me. They used to hang out with these guys. And mm-hmm. it's something I can relate to because guess what? If I'm in the street and something happens like that, I'd probably react the same fucking way. Right. Someone told me to go get my fucking shine box. If I had a fucking piece on me, I'd fucking pistol whip them too. Mm-hmm. Not to sound tough, but that's just where I came from. That's yeah, the way I grew up. I, I wouldn't be going into a safe space looking for my feelings. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's not me. You know, I'll punch a fucker in the throat and ask questions afterwards. And that's just the way I am. And again, I'm not trying to be a tough guy because I don't like fighting. I think fighting should always be the last resort. But just it's real. It's instinct. It's yeah, it's it's yeah. it's it's just the way life was growing up in the 80s and the 90s. You see this shit. You saw John Gotti on the news. Yep. You knew not to mess with the old Italian guy at the end of the block. He was connected. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? You know you don't go to the social club, fucking starting trouble or doing anything yeah, stupid right. in front of the social club because you know you fucking get your ass kicked. You know shit like that. But anyway, that's why I like it. I hear you, man. Listen, one of the flicks that I'm looking forward to. I don't know how you feel about horror films. I know you like you're not really into zombies, but I mean. What, what's what's up with you know Halloween Kills? You, you big into the whole relaunch of the franchise, but spitting off from the original and just discrediting anything they happen in between. Mm, I'm not really big into. It. I don't hate them. Like I grew up watching Freddy. Mm-hmm. I liked Freddy versus Jason. I thought it was a fun film. Mm-hmm. Um, again, all those eighty slasher films like like Silent Night, Deadly Night. I liked mm-hmm. when I remember growing up. Um, one of my favorite ones, I'm a big into vampires. I like vampires. Oh, yeah. Um, was uh what was it called? This, they remade it. Oh fuck. Well, my favorite vampire movie of all time is Lost Boys. But oh, yeah. uh what was this? This uh what was it oh shit? It was the the guy kid moves in, his neighbor's next oh, Fright Night. Fright Night. Yes, the, the original that remake was the drizzling shits, bro. Yes, yes, yes. The original was dope. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I'm not a really big horror guy. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Um, if you're into vampires and, and you like uh, Taika Waititi, right? Big fan of his. Loved, loved the, the series that came out. Um, have you seen the, the movie? What we do in the shadows? Uh, no, I've not seen the movie. I've seen the show, dude. Just as fucking good. His oh yeah, hysterical. Oh, yeah. Belief, I've heard. Bro. I've heard. Uh, j- did you watch the series? No, I haven't seen it yet, but I heard it's just good. Too. The best episode is with Mark Hamill, bro. What? That's just it. That's why. Just watch it. Oh my god, bro! It is hilarious. I died laughing. I died laughing. That um, mockumentary in the vampire lifestyle, but oh, dude, man, like shit that they're spinning off with the werewolves, man. Forget about it. Big time. Like I even like the first um, werewolves versus vampire with the hot chick Kate Bacon- Beckinsale. What was that? What the underworld? Yeah, the first one oh, I like. Man, you spend your money and your time on a lot of shit, don't you? <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I used to sneak into Green Acres, uh, the movie theater, all the time and watch the Green movie. Acres theater, dude. That was my spot. They still got um the the fucking the, the metal detectors in there. Uh, after Godfather Three, they did, but that that's not there anymore. It was shoot it, Oh, they shut it down. They tore it down. It's not there anymore. Now it's a fucking Sonic. Are you kidding me, man? You know, I got so many. They have what, like 16, 17 screens all there? Something like that. Dude, I went there as a kid. I saw Return of the Jedi there, Temple of Doom. I mean, I got The Exterminator. Fucking- Temple of Doom is one of my favorite, if not my favorite, Indiana Jones movie. You know, I just found out recently that, that that's a prequel that's to a Raiders. prequel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I had no fucking idea. <laughs> I was like, what? Hold up. And I've never seen Last Crusade. Go figure. Last Crusade is great. 
Yeah, I gotta go see it. I got. And you know what? The last one was like Crystal Skulls. Yeah, something like that. No, it wasn't bad. I watched it a second time. I watched when it first came out, and I thought it was the drizzling shits. I watched it a second time, and it wasn't that bad. There were certain parts that there's one part that took me out the movie, and you're like, okay, I can see why it was stupid. Like, but other than that one scene, it wasn't really that bad. It was your typical Indiana Jones movie, and the payoff at the end wasn't that great. Yeah. But eh. we're probably about 10 years too late in reviewing this movie right now. But <laughs> yeah, but the new one's coming out and supposedly the new one's supposed to be taking place on the moon with some moon landing shit. Wait, what? Oh, man. I don't know. I know that they, they just started casting Indy 5, so I'm kind of excited to go to ramp this shit up. Well, that's what I'm saying. It, it takes place at the end of the 60s during the Cold War and it's supposed to be taking place with, I don't know if it's... Indiana Jones are going to have some kind of ties with the Apollo mission or some okay. moon shit, some kind of space. Look, the problem is when you start with the Holy Grail, mm-hmm. there really isn't anywhere else to go. Yeah, it's like, now what the fuck are you going to look for? You but... know, that's why they made the freaking Temple of Doom a, 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 a prequel because it was some rocks in India. Like, that's going to that's gonna fucking trump the, 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 you know what I mean? Like, it's not going to trump the uh, the Holy Grail. And then the yeah. third one was the, 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 the Cup of Jesus Christ. Okay, that's on par. You know, and then the fourth one was interdimensional beings, which were yeah, alien. I'm good. <laughs> it's like, okay, the, the execution and the payoff wasn't that great. Mm-hmm. Did you watch the last one, Crystal Skull? No, no. I, 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 yeah, no, I'm good. There's one scene, I'm going to let you, spoiler alert, I'm going to let you know that um, Shia LaBeouf plays his son, right? Yeah. In the movie. That he, he didn't know he had. Now, I like Shia LaBeouf. I don't think he's a bad actor. He's a little... No, he's got chops. But he did a good job in this movie. There's one scene where there's monkeys and he starts swinging on the vine like monkeys to get from point A to point B like Tarzan. And it just it just took me out of the movie. And I'm like, all right, that yeah. just sucked. You got to get rid of that fucking scene. You get rid of that fucking scene. The movie is just a lot better. And it's just like, really, dude, that's too fucking did. I'm swinging and screaming like fucking Tarzan from vine to vine. Like, really? You expect me to believe that shit? Mm-hmm. Anyhow. Yeah. So and, and then again, the payoff with the aliens at the end, the execution wasn't fulfilling for all that buildup. I heard the term is nuke the fridge or some shit like that. Yeah, he got yeah. he jumped into a fridge because he ended up and he was fighting the Nazis. He ended up fighting, falling into one of these nuclear test sites, yeah. and then he realized where he was, and then they shot the nuke. And in order for him to survive, he jumped into one of those old school fridges, and then the nuke went, and the fridge went flying in the air, and it landed. The door opened and he came rolling out and he survived. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna take a hard pass on that one. So it's just like, I'm good. Yeah, it's funny, man. Back in the day, I would watch just about anything, and now, like, there's shit that I know is gonna be shit, but I'm like, I need to prove myself right about this. Um, but yeah, man, we we, we should definitely do a, a movie podcast. We should talk. Uh, granted, you don't know directors too well because you fucking <laughs> listen. I'll tell you who I am a mark for, Guy Ritchie. Great oh, director. dude, yeah. Have you seen Wrath of Man yet? Wrath of Man, no. The last Guy Ritchie film I saw was... Uh... What, Gentleman? Yes. Uh, good movie. Fucking great movie. Good fucking movie, man, yeah. All his, I even liked this King Arthur movie, to be honest with you. I didn't give that one a shot. I wanted to, but I, I, I didn't... It, really... it flopped at the box office. Yeah. I'm a very, very huge mark for Sherlock Holmes movies with Robert Downey Jr., I forgot he did those. See, I, I I won't watch those for some reason. It's just uh, it's not for me. Yeah. I love Downey and I love I love Guy Ritchie, and Jude Law. They're good. They're good. Yeah. They're good. They're good. They oh, are. Good. I've never been sure. I want to see more of uh uh like like you know like Snatch. I love Snatch. Oh I, yeah. Um, Lock stocks. Two smoking. Rock and roller. 
Rock, I was going to say, Rock and Roller to me didn't really do it for me, but the gentleman brought it back. The gentleman was, was, was right down that alley. He's got another one that he's working on now. I can't remember what the hell the name of it was. What, what, what did you say the last one was? Wrath, Wrath of Man. Man. It's with Jason Statham. It's more of a revenge film. They kill I'll his son. It's okay. I'll fucking see it, man. Guy Ritchie's got the shit. And I like Jason Statham. I think he's a good actor. Yeah. Yeah. Although I'm going to skip that that sequel to that shark movie he made. Fuck that shit. <laughs> yeah. Dude, you, you, there's no way you can sell me on the Meg. Don't, don't even uh, try. I've never, nope. I, I won't watch it. Yeah. Fucking rap. But speaking of rap, bro, let's wrap it up. I know you guys should do. I got shit to do. I got 37 um, kids, brother. I don't rap. You got shit. 37 kids. So you got to go feed them, man. You, you, know, you got, you know, 37 jobs. You go take care of these little guys, man. You got to go to work, man. <laughs> Listen, man, tell everybody where they can find you, where they can see clips of your stuff. Tell them about the uh, NFO podcast. I want to give it to you right now. Give them all your social media handles and give them all the shout outs you want. All right. You could find me on Twitter at Greek God Papadon. And Instagram at Greek God Papadon, Facebook Demetrius Papadon, uh, the YouTube channel Greek God Papadon. You see the pattern forming, people? Yeah. Uh, my pro wrestling tees, pro wrestling tees slash, guess what? Greek God Papadon. Um, the NFL podcast, New Force Order. It is a Star Wars podcast, which incorporates Star Wars and wrestling a little bit into it. Not wrestling news, more wrestling lingo. It's myself, Alex Arroyo, who's a real doctor, and Sparrows Antonopoulos, who is a photographer slash movie director, independent movie director. And we talk shop and bust each other's balls. Like, like fucking guys at a bar would be talking about chicks. We do it talking about Star Wars. Because at the end of the day, there's only one thing better than Star Wars, and that's more fucking Star Wars. And that is the new Force Order. You can find it at every platform. We're on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio. It's uh, New Force Order. And the links are at NFO underscore podcast on Twitter. New Force Order on Instagram. Official New Force Order on Facebook. And a New Force Order at Yahoo.com is the email address. Um, I'm also on another podcast called The Conspiracy Horseman, which is on hiatus right now, more shadow banned and blocked than hiatus. Wait, wait, we'll wait say, explain that. What, what's going on there? Well, The Conspiracy Horseman is a, as you can say, we talk about conspiracies, but it's more of a free thinking, free thought podcast. It is okay. myself, Stevie Richards. Mm -hmm. they, some of you guys may know from WWE and ECW. Big Sal Graziano from the FBI, a.k.a. ECW, WWE, and another independent wrestler by the name of Ben Hamin. The four of us are four pro wrestlers who talk about conspiracy theories and analyzing and always questioning the narrative. Now, we don't tell you people why we think we're right and why everything else is wrong. We approach a certain topic from different point of views. And 90% of the time, the four of us don't agree on a topic. So we talk about it. We debate about it. We argue with each other. But it's all done civilly. And we do it with love. And we talk about everything underneath the sun, whether it's politics, whether it's the flavor of the, the week, whether it's Bigfoot, aliens, cryptids, Loch Ness, 9-11, JFK, whatever. You know what I'm saying? The whole COVID scandal, everything. Um, but because of our truth speaking ways, we have been inclined by our legal counsel not to talk about what has happened. And we are off the air right now, to mm. say the least, uh, being shadow banned and blocked by certain outlets like YouTube and uh, 
Podbean, and we got thrown off of Twitch. Hold on, so, so they canceled your channel on YouTube? Uh, they, they, they demonetized a lot demonetized, of the videos. Okay. So you could probably still see whatever videos are up there, but you know, all, but are, all are, you, are you guys doing this tongue in cheek or, or is it no, like no, no, it's just your, your true beliefs? It's true beliefs to a okay. certain extent. Like, okay. for example, like uh, we talk about the Mandela effect, we talk oh. about CERN, we talk about many different topics. We've been doing it almost three years, uh, okay. probably a little longer than three years. Um, but we haven't done a new episode in quite some time because of the, the shadow banning and us getting uh, thrown off certain platforms. And it sucks because we were getting a lot of downloads, both from people in the business and a lot of people outside of the business. Okay. And um, people are asking me left and right what's going on. And we can't really talk about it legally. Uh, we've been advised not to. But hopefully we'll blow a comeback soon and we'll be back where we need to be. But you could catch whatever archive episodes may or may not be available on YouTube or any other podcast outlet. It's mm -hmm. Conspiracy Horseman. And uh, that's basically it, man. Catch I'm me at the show near you. Very intrigued. I'm wondering if, they, <laughs> if maybe the office is like, yo, did you hear this Papa Don motherfucker talking about that shit? Yeah. Look, man. Don't take I, his <laughs> look, here's the deal. You might be right. You might be very right. But here's, I mean, look. I mean, dude, there's a couple of WWE wrestlers have been released because of their political views that they've been spreading around the locker room. I'm afraid that maybe they heard some of your conspiracy theories. Hey, listen. I don't know. Hey, look, I'm a grown man. You're a grown man. Freedom of speech, man. Not only freedom of speech, but I'm not going to let this business or anybody else in any level of power dictate what I can and cannot say or what I can or how I can think, no matter if it costs me a job or not. At the end of the day, I have to look myself in the mirror and I got to be truthful to myself and what I believe in, both artistically as a professional, most importantly as a man. Um, I can't be one of these fucking guys who are fucking fake and say hi to you in your face and stab you in the back. Right. If I don't fucking like you, I'll tell you to your face, you're a piece of shit and I don't like you. And that's the way I was raised, and that's the way I'm always going to be. And maybe that's a detriment to in a business full of snakes um, because I'm very truthful. But, again, these promoters don't want this cancer in the locker room. If they want truthfulness and they want honesty, then fucking hire GGP, whatever. So, if you but, don't. But, but just to clarify, this was just like free thinking, speaking up like, hey, lock this monster. What's your thought on it? Boom, you put it out there. You guys weren't like fanatics, like InfoWars, putting out shit like as No, facts. see, InfoWars, see, like, here we go, InfoWars. I think Alex Jones is an idiot. I Thank think you. he is a CIA operative who was put in this position where he is right now to hit people with this information, to make all free thinkers, or you want to call them conspiracy theorists, look like they're on the fringe and look crazy because he's acting like a grown man child, like a crybaby. Because every time he had an opportunity to express himself civilly on an articulate level in public, mm -hmm. he went off the fucking rails like a fat man baby. And that's what people get the impression when you say conspiracy theory. But the okay. funny fact is conspiracy theory was a term invented by the CIA to make those free thinkers who question the narrative look crazy so they can work the gimmick on the public and there's a lot of stuff we talk about that are that is truthful that you can see uh through disclosure on the cia websites like operation northwoods 
which was a plot to kill American civilians and blame it on Cuba during the JFK administration. And it was going to ha- it was going to happen. This is the last episode of the Midnight House podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it was got it was going to happen. It was going to happen and then JFK put the kibosh on it and a month later he died. Okay. Right? Uh Operation Paperclip. A lot of people don't know what that is, but it's true where we took 2000 Nazis, the top Nazi scientists that were right-hand men in the Nazi party to Hitler and everything else. Cause Hitler was big into aliens and the occult and the cryptics and, mm-hmm. and, and, and all this fucking, uh, you know, devil worshiping and all this fucking occult shit and brought them over to the U S and gave him jobs in NASA. So that's Warner- the uh, backdrop of hunters, isn't it? Yes. And I saw that show and I thought it was good till the payoff with, uh, the, with Pacino, which Pacino, is why yeah. <laughs> I couldn't believe they built all that up. And that was the payoff. I was like, really? Yeah. So, um, yeah. But it is the backdrop, but it's true. That mm-hmm. really happened in this country. And a lot of it, like Warner Von Braun was best friends with Walt Disney. And Walt Disney did a lot of propaganda films for both the U.S. and for Nazi. You know what I'm saying? So so did Ford. Ford built a lot of fucking tanks for Nazis. Ladies and, and gentlemen, this has been fun knowing you guys. <laughs> no, but, I, do, do, but do you see what I'm the saying? The coming out of Greek God popping down over his own out of the Midnight Hustle podcast. <laughs> like we talk about JFK. We talk about 9-11. You know what I'm saying? I want, don't even go. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. No, no, no. I'm just saying. Like, we've talked about a million and one different no, no. things. The, the off, mo- the the, off the air. <laughs> the moon landing. Shit like that. You know, aliens. Look, you know? My, my Netflix queue has a bunch of shit. Like, I'm, I'm big into... Not that I'm big into UFOs. But I know there's fucking shit out there. Oh, they're here already, bro. <laughs> shit like that. Area 51, I'm like, yeah, yeah, tell me more. Tell me more. There's certain shit I don't want to fuck with because I don't know who's listening. I'm Listen, gonna- they... Look, I hate to break it to you. We are being listened to all the time. Of course, I know. Now, look, put it this way. What's the best way to keep a secret or to reveal a secret? You keep it in plain sight. <laughs> Racist, yeah. you need to be fucking uh, crucified. Really? It was called comedy, guys. They've ruined my personality. But ladies and gentlemen, next week we'll be talking to Papa Don about the uh, Capitol riots. So you might want to hear some about that. <laughs> that should never happen. <laughs> and not for nothing, you can't really call it a Capitol riot when they go home at five o'clock. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, the, the, the bell rang. Let's go home and eat dinner. Come on, man. Please. Meanwhile, we have BLM fucking protests burning down cities and taking over portions of just, fucking Portland. It was all Antifa's fault. Antifa sponsors the podcast. I don't know. <laughs> Listen, bro. All I'm saying is that, look, I am a very big uh, proponent. If rules are in place, they need to be in place evenly across the spectrum. You can't choose and pick when it's going to be viable for this group and mm. not viable for that group and viable because then 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 it's not fair and then you have that double standard coming into play Understood. you know what i'm saying yeah I and that's it. it that's it that's where the logic and reason mm-hmm. comes into play right. there is no more logic and reason Listen, i I'm, I'm not against anybody like yourself who who says hey i want i want to question this i want to think about it first so, you know i i'm not sold 100 percent Give me some more information as opposed to other people who's just like, yo, this is all politics. I'm not doing it because my side doesn't believe in it. Exactly. My side is just like, yeah, and I'm not for that. If you're making a decision because, and I'll call it an educated decision. I've done the research. I feel this way. You know, I, I, I've, I've weighed the pros and cons. I've read the reports. I've said, I just don't feel this for me. 
I respect you. And again, you're making it about, oh, no, fuck Biden or they stole the election. I'm like, yo, you know what? That's not what this is about. We're, we're fucking we're all one people. We got to look out for each other. We got to protect this human race. And exactly. And we bro. Keep peace amongst each other, man. Exactly. So, exactly. But, and unfortunately, we're not at that plateau because they know that when we do reach that level yeah. of all being on the same frequency and all being in the same mindset, there's a lot of us compared to them. And the mm-hmm. power shifts to our favor. It's like the boys coming together against the, the office. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I hear you, man. Listen, in the words of Jay-Z, he said, there's much bigger issues in the world I know, but I first got to take care of the world I know. So you're right. You don't be careful with your family. Take care of your kids. Do what you feel is right. But be, just be safe, man. That's all I'm saying. Listen, to everyone listening to this, be safe. I agree with Derek. Do what you feel is right. And if you deal with people who disagree with you, try to have a civil discussion with them about the said situation and whether or not you agree with it, whatever. At the end of the day, we're all people. We're all entitled to our opinions. Now, if you can't express your said opinion or you can't take another person's opinion from a different point of view civilly mm-hmm. and respect them for it, then you need to go back to school and learn some manners and learn how to work. Because at the end of the day, that's all this is. Life's a giant work. And we're all pawns on the chessboard, but we have to learn how to coexist. Hell yeah, man. And with that said, brother, I appreciate you taking the time to hang out with me. We got to do this shit again. We got to talk off the air about setting up this fucking movie podcast. I think and uh, we, we got to talk about the Havoc too off the air. I got to tell you Yeah, what definitely, man. We, we definitely will. I spoke to John Shane um, a couple of days, a uh, day or two ago. Um, he wants to run some stuff by me. He gave, he filled me in on some details and stuff. Uh, but yeah, like I said, we'll, we'll definitely talk off the air. But bro... I'm wishing you nothing but the best, man. I, I want to see you man. out there. I love you. I, I love you too, man. And, and like I said, it, it breaks my heart seeing what's going on, but I love the fire that you got in you. I, I love that, that, that don't quit attitude and uh, don't let nothing stop you, man. You're bulletproof, man. Thank and you. I love and respect you and, and, and your day will come soon. And uh, we will talk about it more on a future episode here, the Midnight Hustle. So, brother, thank you for taking the time. Oh, shit, that fucking light just hit me in the eye. <laughs> thank you for taking the time, man. And, uh, hey, I got to get back on this, this new Force Order podcast sometime soon. We got some more shit to chew. You're more than welcome to come on wherever you want, brother. <laughs> we'll have a good time talking. All right, brother, man. Best to you and your family and your 37 kids. Thank you. <laughs> shit going on, man. Love you, and I will talk to you soon. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the Midnight Bustle Podcast. We are out of here. That's the Greek God, Papa Don. This is Die Hard. Derek Gordon, can you dig it? We out.